1: Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life.
2: ...and the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
0: Kia ora, good morning. Three past nine here. Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball. In for him while he's away at the Cricket World Cup. And a big morning on breakfast. We're going to continue it here and now because we want to hear your thoughts on everything that's happening in schoolboy rugby in Auckland with the 1A clubs, uh, schools I should say, pulling out of broadcasting their games. We'll do that momentarily. Also coming up on the show, John Davidson, an Australian journalist living in uh, the north of England. He is there covering... Uh, the Rugby League World Cup, of course But he covers all the Super League and things as well So John Davidson's going to come on with us After 9.30 at 10 o'clock Frankie Mackay, the White Ferns All-Rounder And uh, host of our Canterbury show Is going to come on And we're going to talk T20 World Cup Big upset last night The Irish getting up over the English uh, With the Duckworth-Lewis system The Blake Caps not playing at all against Afghanistan Not a ball bowled in that one We'll talk to her about that And what the knock-ons are We'll have a panel with Hamish Bidwell And Mark Watson, boy, two more opinionated blokes on the panel. Uh, That'll be worth tuning in for. And then Campbell Burns after 11 the editor of Rugby News. Originally we got uh, Campbell on to talk the 2023 Super Rugby Squads that were all announced yesterday and what the standouts were for him but we'll get his thoughts on the schoolboy situation as well and we also have of course our Greyhound Racing New Zealand charity run we will do that we'll cross over uh, with staff closer to 12 to find out what's happening this afternoon and your chance too to win a $50 bonus bet from the TAB with Stumped. (laughs) Five past nine, time for a Ricardo Reckons. Didn't do one of these yesterday, but I thought today we've got to do one. Now, yesterday, the Auckland 1A rugby schools pulled broadcasting of their first 15 matches on Sky TV. The reason given, an unhealthy level of scrutiny in both traditional and social media. On the face of it, I thought initially that was fair and that looking after the mental well-being of young athletes was a positive move, and that's what the schools want us to see and believe. And then I looked at the history of the schools involved. Auckland Grammar, King's College, St Kennigan College, St Peter's College, Sacred Heart College among them. Schools who charge tens of thousands of dollars per year to the parents of these students. Schools who must bring in millions of dollars per year in fees. Schools who are among the premium secondary educators in this country. And I thought, hang on, shouldn't these schools be doing more for their athletes? Future sports stars of this age group across the world, across a range of different sports, are on a pathway to a professional career in their chosen sport. Whether that's high school basketball or football in the US, age group football in Europe and South America, or even schoolboy rugby league across the ditch, these athletes are in the spotlight and that is part of their development into the professional game. Surely, these schools with these resources should have already been looking after these athletes with a support network and educational framework in place to ready their students for the pathway into a pro career. The first 15 matches of the 1A competition have been broadcast live since 2009. That's 13 years of live schoolboy rugby, and now it's decided it's too much? Something doesn't ring true for me. Yes, looking after the mental well being is important, But why remove media at this developmental stage when others are embracing it? These are educational institutions. They shouldn't be removing media, but teaching. Yes, teaching. Last time I checked, that's what schools are supposed to do. Their students, how to deal with it. That is, I'm told what the Super 8 schools are doing and how they must be laughing right about now. The Auckland Rugby Union and New Zealand Rugby should be looking very hard at this. It'll have a knock-on effect on the depth and development of players coming through. Players that want a pro career will just go elsewhere. They'll go to schools in Rotorua, Whanganui, Hamilton. Auckland schools have been given free reign to the detriment of the clubs, and that is something else that should be looked to be addressed. The principals of these schools aren't stupid. They will see what the potential knock-ons of this decision will be. So for me, this isn't really about mental well-being. That's the front that has been used to sell this decision. If it was, where are the statistics? How are they backing this up? They're not. So what's it really about? Is it wanting a piece of the Silver Lake pie? Is it wanting a seat at the top table? Is it about more control of the game at youth level? Those are the questions that need answering.
3: Talk Back Time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811.
0: So give us a call your thoughts on those decisions from the 1A schools. And, you know, if you're down country, what are schools, what are the top schools in, say, Canterbury doing? What are the Super 8 schools doing differently? I mean, I'm sure that we're not going to see this decision come from them. Are we Wanganui Collegiate? Napier Boys High, Tauranga Boys High, Rotorua, um, you know, those big schools that make up the Super 8, they won't be making this decision and they will probably be rubbing their hands together at the moment at the thought of all these kids coming out of Auckland secondary schools looking for a proper pathway into professional rugby and uh, the Super 8 certainly won't be backing away from it. I mean, the other thing you've got to think about is sponsorship dollars. I know Land Rover have said they'll continue to sponsor regardless of the media coverage, but surely media coverage is a big part of it, and it makes for good metrics to say that now, but what happens in a year? Um, so here, keen to hear from you on that. 0800 at 811. 0800 150 811, a $50 chemist warehouse voucher, is up for grabs. And don't forget also, uh, SENZ's Caller of the Month will win a master-built Gravity Series 560 digital charcoal grill and smoker as well. So give us a call, 0800-150-811, 0800-150-811. Your thoughts on the schoolboy rugby issue, the one that came out yesterday with all the Auckland schools pulling their broadcasts off Sky TV. That's the other thing, too, we haven't talked about. How do uh, Sky TV are going to react to this because I mean they've invested a lot, time, resources, money as well into making this a product that gets eyeballs on it, lots of eyeballs on it. Now there are lots of reasons here, I think a lot more reasons than what we are being given by the principals of these Auckland secondary schools so keen to hear from you 0800 150 811 0800 150 811 is the number here for SENZ if you are a parent of a promising rugby player and you're in Auckland, what are you doing with your boy? Are you sending him to one of these schools where they're not gonna be properly prepared once they come out of seventh form? When I mean, we're not seeing a lot of these kids now play club rugby at all. They're skipping that, they're going straight into super rugby development squads, playing NPC. All of a sudden there's scrutiny. You're on TV, you're being asked to do interviews. Where's the development pathway there if you're at an Auckland secondary school, if all of a sudden that rug is being pulled? What are you going to do with your boy? Are you going to going to continue to send him here or are you going to look at boarding options? Or are you going to even move, uproot your family and take them somewhere else because the other schools down country are better prepared and have a better pathway system than what the Auckland schools do? And this is what I mean. You take all of that into account and this does not make sense. They're not backing it up anywhere, anyhow, with any stats with anything that makes any sense. So while metrics, this looks good to be saying what they're saying, I don't believe for a second that this is the main reason behind it. And I think there is something else behind it. I think this potentially could be a power play. It'll be interesting to see what we see from Auckland rugby, New Zealand rugby. What are they going to do? How are they going to respond to this? Because you're talking about the biggest city in the country... The biggest tool, uh, pool of talent, and where are those players going? Are they going to be hindered by this? You'd have to think that they will be. And if they can't get that here, where else might they go? I mean, there's no guarantee that they even stay in New Zealand. Does this make it even easier for Rugby League to come over? Why wouldn't you, if you're one of the top schools in Sydney, top Rugby League school in Sydney, you come over and say to a kid here that's here that's 15, who's got a lot of talent, look, hey, come on a scholarship we'll pay for the next three years of your education and mm. come, come to Sydney uh, and get right in the view of the NRL clubs from day one. I mean, there are so many uh, things going on here. It's hard to see exactly where these Auckland secondary schools are coming from, Logan.
1: Yeah, and one thing that I sort of really think about when I look at the statement time and time again is there are like, reading between the lines, it's almost like they're pointing the finger at traditional media as as they call it which I mean to me I think that's them pointing the finger uh, at Sky TV who have as you said invested a lot into first 15 rugby but those schools <laughs> they're just as guilty of creating what is the absolute beast now that is first 15 rugby right and it's now it's now like they're seeing the I guess the ugly side of the beast. The media beast, and they're turning the other way and hitting the panic button. And is, is this the only solution? Is is to dump that? You talk about Land, you know, Land Rover wanting to continue sponsorship, right? That's all well and good, but where's it going to be seen? Well, it's not going to be seen anywhere because not only have they said that they're not going to broadcast it
0: online or on Sky TV, there's, there's not going to be any streaming. It's not going to be streamed on a Facebook page or on a school's uh, website. Hmm. There's also not going to be any availability to media. They're not going to do any pre- or post-game interviews with coaches or players. So, yeah.
1: And the, the whole other thing there, I mean, they're definitely challenging New Zealand rugby here, I believe. The whole thing of them saying those in charge of the professional game should have the necessary resources to evaluate these young men in a live setting, and I was like, okay, so all the Super Rugby franchises are just—you know—I mean, some may, some, I, you know, we don't know the inner workings of what their scouting departments might look like, but you know, I would imagine that a lot of them use those broadcasts or those live streams as a tool, uh, and, and the same in other sports, right? Look at NRL Schoolboys Cup—you know, they they use those the NZRL made a huge song and dance about their secondary schools comp, one, being back, which was great, but then also that it was going to be on TV. It is all a tool. And now it's just like, okay... They're laying down the gauntlet here. I think there's definitely going to be more to come, but New Zealand rugby, I'm really interested to see how they respond to this. Yeah, it'll
0: be really interesting. We've had a couple of texts through on double eight, double That is the temper bedpost text machine. Uh, Temper and bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Uh, This one from Liam. A few weeks ago, New Zealand rugby tried to take over the Auckland 1A comp. I think this move is the principals telling NZR to get lost. That may be that. that if that's true, Liam, that uh, that's a good point. I mean, and that gets to my point that there is something else going on here. This isn't just about mental well being, is how it's dressed up. Uh, Brendan, also uh, not just a bit bias in the media. It's only the media who care. I just go to games. Who cares whether it's on TV? Well, Brendan, I get your point. This isn't so much about whether or not it's on TV. It's about the excuse that's been given for it not being on TV anymore because I think there is something else going on here. Greg has called through on 0800 150 811. G'day, Greg, how are you? Good,
4: thanks. Yourself?
0: Yeah, good, thanks, mate. What what was your take when this news I, came I, out yesterday?
5: Well, I, 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 I fully support the move that the principals of the Auckland schools have made. I think that there is too much pressure, there's too much grandstanding sometimes of these young fellas in a situation where they're still young, they're still developing. Let's also remember that while the competition may be elite, not all of the players are elite. Many kids play school sport because they want to play with their mates, they want to have a good time, they want to be able to turn up to assemblies on Monday and maybe bask in a little bit of glory, or the shit that they sometimes have to take when they lose those games. Why aren't maybe you making a bit of a noise about other sports that aren't being televised? You're suggesting that in the professional era, we need to prepare our guys for professional sport in you know five years' time down the track. There's plenty of time to do that once they've left school. Very few kids would walk straight out of a first 15 into a super rugby team. Yeah, that's what many of those boys, hang on, what many of those boys would do would go into a super development team or some sort of youth program. That's where you get your training. That's where you get your um, your, your, your media sort of savvy and that sort of thing. If that's required, I'm so concerned that there are too there's too much uh, emphasis being placed on elite sportsmen. And you'll end up with an American system where unless you've actually made the grade by a very, very young age, you give up the sport altogether. And we talk about all these people who aren't playing sport when they leave school. Well, this is, I think, one of the contributing factors. Because if you haven't made an elite team and have all that emphasis put upon you at that early age, you give up. By removing the television system, that may contribute to more people wanting to play. Let me just go also say about wh- wh- why aren't we having a crack at New Zealand cricket for not, uh, for not um, televising secondary school cricket? Why aren't we having a crack at Netball New Zealand for not televising um, netball? Why aren't we having a crack at Athletics New Zealand for not televising the, uh, the um, athletics around the country? You know, we're targeting rugby because rugby is such an important part in our psyche and our makeup and the all blacks are the be-all and end-all of what many people think in this, in this country. And yet we're putting all these kids under this immense pressure in the media, and I, I, I just fully support the move to, to remove it. And when you also talk about, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to go to some of these schools, you look at that list again. You've got King's, you've got St. Kennigan, they're two private schools. Kelston Boys? No. Auckland Grammar? No. Ayuriri College? No. You know, there's, there's a whole... I, I can't remember all the names off the top of my head, but there's only a very few of those schools that you're talking about that are the $10,000 a term sort of situations. So these decisions haven't been made by one or two principals. This decision has been made by a group of principals across all of the city from all different ethnic situations, cultural situations, decile situations... It's not a decision that they've taken, you know, likely, I don't think.
0: Yeah, just to go back to you, uh, Greg, on a couple of things here, I'm not having a crack at athletics for not being on there or cricket for not being on there, et cetera, because they're not on there. They're not there already. Uh, Rugby is there and they're giving it up is what I'm saying, and I'm asking the question about why they're giving it up. And when you look at professional pathways, uh, for, for developing sports people overseas like you know I look at say for example uh, the American college system, high school system and, and you know those games whether it's football or basketball those are all televised it is part of the development and it should be part of the development here I believe at this level with rugby in terms of you do as much development off field as you do on field you'd teach them how to be interviewed, you teach them how to deal with scrutiny, you teach them how to deal with social media. It is all a part of their development. And then that looks after the mental and well-being that, down is that, the track. But, but, is that,
5: but that's not fully dependent on a game being televised. You know, We also need to remind ourselves how many of these games are being televised. You get one game a week, don't you? And that's across the country. Yeah, We're more, not talking about... You know, every game being televised and they stagger their start times so that you can see all six or seven matches week after week after week from the Auckland 1A competition.
0: No, that's true. But not all those games are on Sky. but there are highlights packages. And then you can also go and see them online. So, I mean, those games are around. And it's just part of the – if you want to be a professional athlete, it's part of the pathway. I mean, at the same age as overseas, if you look at football in the UK and in Europe, if you look at it in South America, if you look at, as I mentioned, basketball, uh, American football, et cetera – Ice hockey, those pathways, rugby league across the ditch, those pathways, at the same age, they are doing all of these things. Uh Izzy from Manukau joins us today. Izzy, how are you?
4: Yeah, good thanks, Ricardo. It's a story, yeah, mate. Oh yeah, I just wanna uh, yeah, chime in on it. Um, you know, I've got um I've got a role with a with a particular first fifteen, which I won't name, I'd rather keep it anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um but in saying that I think, you know, it's a bit of a sit on the fence one. Like, there's positive and then there's negatives. But for me, the positives about um, having, like, the 1st thing 15-1A on television is that you get to see, um, you know, a, a lot of different talent, um, you know, that maybe wouldn't necessarily get an opportunity. Like, you'd have your five or six guys who's pretty much a shoe in into this Auckland system and and, and and so on. But then you have, like, maybe three or four guys who probably wouldn't have got a look in with the Auckland system that might actually get a look in at maybe another province or franchise, or it just creates another opportunity for the boys.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree, mate. And, I, I, you know, that's why I questioned it, because, Izzy, um, I, I know you said you've got an involvement at a First 15 in Auckland, but if you look at those First 15, say, at Rotorua Boys High or Hamilton Boys High, some of the big uh, uh, schools down country, Whanganui Collegiate, et cetera, they're not doing this. They continuing to do what they do, and they they have, from what I understand, uh, that off field support and that training as well.
4: And that, and and that's another question that I that I also would put towards the principals, isn't it? Is that would because obviously of team need fi- financial backing, and that comes from sponsorships. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and 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 for that, you know, there'll be a lot of third party companies and businesses that's willing to. I don't know, throw maybe 10 15k at a first of theme? You know, would the school, uh, would the principals, um, want to cancel that as well since they want to cancel the you know, televising any first of theme games because you know they're saying, oh, it's too much pressure, it's it's too professional for the kids now, this and that. Well, if they go into that environment, obviously, sponsorships and um, financial backing for the first of theme that's all part of you know, first of theme rugby. So, would they? would the school budge to pay out of their own pocket to cater to the first 15 or would, you know, you know it's just, it's a shambles, really. It's, and, and I feel sorry for the kids as well. I've got a funny feeling it's because they, they don't want any scouts from, say, Rugby League or Australia, you know, they, mm. they come in to punch players. But, I mean, at the end of the day, kind of, that's an opportunity. You know, it's, it's an opportunity. If they can't get an opportunity here in Auckland, obviously they're better off to chase somewhere where they'll actually get an opportunity.
0: Yeah, I no, 100% agree with you. Uh, I'd be interested to get your thoughts, Izzy, on this. Text just come through from uh, Patty in Christchurch. He said, talk about virtue signalling. These principles have created this monster and turned it into a runaway train, and now they're trying to take the moral high ground. Turn it up. When recruitment and retention become a part of schoolboy rugby, the course was set, and now they're scrambling to try and slow it down. As always, this will have the biggest impact on the poorer schools and the lower decile schools. Scouts will still go and watch Grammar, St. Kent's and King's, etc. It's a joke. What's your reaction to that?
4: Yeah, um, like I said, you know, I totally agree. Um, you know, at the same time, um, you know, Sky TV, they did, you know, they did, um, they did usually um, televise like the main games, like the Kings, the Grammars, the Sacred. Mm. You know, but it would have been good to, for, for, for Sky to showcase like an Aureli College or a De La or, um, you know, the locals, like a, a South from Derby or something. But, um, yeah, like I said, you know, it's just shambles. I mean, they, the, the first, Land Rover First has been rugby, has been televised for the last, what, 11, 12 years now? Yes, yeah, so, since I mean, 2010, probably, 2009, I think. Yeah, yeah so I, I remember I remember vividly when Bryn Hall was at St. Peter's, that's when it started, so I think you're right, it was 2010. And, yeah, so see, look, it's been running for 12 years now, and yet, all of a sudden, they want to pull the plug. You know, You know, it's just it's mind-boggling because they could have pulled the plug 12 years ago. Because they, I'm sure the principals had already, they already knew what was going to happen in the future with this. It's going to blow up. It's going to get big, you know. And and it has. And now the principals want to slow the momentum down, pull the plug. I mean, it's just going to be, and it's going to be boring. No one's really going to talk about 1A anymore.
0: No, nah, well, you're exactly right, Izzy. He? Hey, listen, thanks very much for your call, mate. Really appreciate it. Uh, 0800 150 811 is our number. A couple other texts that have come through. A few weeks ago, NZR tried to take over the Auckland 1A comp. I think this is a move from the principals telling them to get lost. Also, it is something to do with NZR wanting to take control of schoolboy rugby and dictate everything. That is another texter. So we've heard that from about three people so far. Joe, hold on. We'll be with you in a minute.
2: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on NZNZ.
0: 0800-150-811, 0800-150-811. That is our phone number here. We're uh, running slightly late for the update from news and sport from Aroha, but we are going to go to Joe in Gizzy talking about Schoolboy Rugby, the 1A schools pulling their televising of their first 15 games. Joe, how are you doing this morning?
6: Yeah, doing very well, mate, doing very well. Gorgeous day here in Gizzy. Great chat this morning, gentlemen, listening to uh, the feedback from the hypocrisy of uh, the principals in Auckland. Listen, you know, just reading through the articles and, and, and seeing what Pat Drum, the Mount Albert Grammar uh, principal, has said, that they have uh, become aware that that professional rugby is now infringing on the development of their of their youth, and they have a responsibility within themselves to actually make their men better. So this is a better step for them. The hypocrisy is that when we play first team rugby, I'm 48, right? So we're talking. 30-odd, 20-something years ago, we used to travel from Gisborne to play King's College in rugby and in cricket. Now, we'd, we'd give them a beat-up in the rugby, and they'd give us a beat-up in the cricket. But there was no colour in their first 15 back then. No Polynesian boys, no Māori boys. At the moment, $47,000 a year tuition boarding, $28,000 for a year 13 to go to school there. Look in their pack, Of all these scholarship players the same as grammar the same as hamilton boys high all of these all these schools have become institutions where they get sponsorship and scholarships to draw these great young players from poorer schools as our man izzy was talking earlier right the hypocrisy of a 50 i know one package of sponsorship to a first 15 50 a year from a company now we're here in Gisborne, we have a mate of ours who works for Sky, we get one game a year because it costs over 100 grand to bring their gear here, their trucks, to film Sky, to commentate it here in Gisborne. They stay in Auckland 1A because it's easy on their costings for Sky to film it, they stay in the same schools because they have put infrastructure in for them to set up and for them to get power to their trucks and for them to actually showcase those, those top schools. So what you're finding now is those young men who want to be all blacks as opposed to having pressure put on them. This is a drive from these young men who come from you know lower economic areas and they have an opportunity. They're not going to be filmed anymore. So what you're going to find is that the 1A competition will go away, but a national competition will take over. Because people like me still want to see boys high play uh, Napier boys. Tauranga Boys High play, you know, Hastings Boys. We still want to see that. Everybody who goes to a school, this is their alma mater. So we want to see it. And if the 1A principals have taken that away from their young men, but yet still have to pay their scholarships, still have to draw a huge sponsorship from some big brands on those boys' shirts, we're going to see Auckland 1A off, off the TV, but we're going to see. Other schools get picked up by Sky if they actually still go with the Land Rover First of Dean comp. And people like Gisborne, people like Hawke's Bay, people like Palmerston North, people like Taranaki and New Plymouth, we will get First of Dean rugby. It just won't be the Auckland boys.
0: Mm, yeah, well, exactly, and that's uh, that's the point made, uh, Joe. We've had a few people suggesting that this is uh, um, the principles of the One A competition at uh, some sort of power grab or some sort of battle with uh, New Zealand rugby who are looking to take over the running of schoolboy rugby or at least uh, the running of One A. What do you make of that?
6: Uh, listen, I follow a lot of American sports. I've been to the states many times to watch all different types of sports at you know professional level and, and at the university level. You think there the biggest profitable uh, platform of sport is NCAA. One coach gets paid $8 million a year. Their top running back gets paid nothing. I think what you're looking at in Auckland is Auckland coaches will put together a package and then go to a platform maybe later and create, try to, yeah, like the SEC or, you know, um, where they have the SEC top 10, they have the the Pac-12. Those guys, if you put that package together, you think you have value in what you're doing. Then you can take it to a platform of Spark Sport or Sky or an online platform and say, hey, we've got media rights here in another year or two. Whether uh, New Zealand Rugby went to take over 1A you know, or, or not, let's try and get that, that confirmed. But even if they did, what's the harm in that? Mm. We're begging New Zealand Rugby for not looking at development of our sport. We're begging New Zealand Rugby for this clash on the weekend. Of the of the the All Blacks against the uh, the, uh, yeah, the women's rugby, if they are going there, why are they going there? Is this a product that they want? Is this a development platform? Do they have, you know, a, a cults level coming in? Do they have something coming in the future with internships or scholarships for these young men to get educated and also have a pathway into professional rugby? Let, let's not be stupid. Rugby is a number one sport. It is dropping away post school. But those young men who want to be professional, who want to go and be an All Black and be our super rugby players, they are coming out of these schools. Don't kid yourself. You know, if, you, if we're not taking them, the rugby league scouts are here all the time and they are taking them in a heartbeat. Yep. So we need to actually open our eyes, Ricardo. Like you say, let's, let's grab these young men. And this, listen, they don't have pressure on them. You know, let's be fair, they're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, look at me, look at me, I'm scoring a try, I'm doing a dance, there's no pressure on those boys, they absolutely love it. Exactly. Okay.
0: Giving them yeah. the best chance to succeed as pros is by giving them this exposure now, and then, and then outside of that, giving them some support and the education of how to deal with it. Joe is what I think is probably the best. Thanks very much for your call. Keep them coming through. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. It is twenty two away from ten. We are late for the news and sport with Araha, but here she is with our latest update. It is 20 away from 10 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for him. Uh, we are talking about the 1A schools in Auckland removing the broadcast of their first 15 matches. Uh, I've had a text uh, come through on the text machine. No name attached to this one, but uh, I would suggest that this person may work for Sky. And as far as I'm aware, there's never been a contract with 1A. Each game is organised in conjunction with the host school, which is interesting. Uh, so maybe they don't act as, a, as an overall body. Uh, Jim Jimmy has texted through saying, personally, I don't think they should have any schoolboy rugby on TV. They're kids. They're not celebrities. I bet a lot of them think that they enact like they are. Start putting more into Colts footy when these kids grow into their own bodies. Thank you, Jimmy. Um for the uh, for your text and uh, keep those coming through on double eight double three. Aaron is also messing through saying just touching on the televised rugby you only have to look at the system in the US they are uh, like night and day even when they're walking around the school they have systems in place where they need to be meeting certain grades at school to continue playing it's so cutthroat that if they fail a test and drop grades they get dropped from the team why can't we implement something similar here from Aaron thanks very much Aaron uh, Dean is on the phone from Denise Eden. G'day, Dean. How are you, mate?
7: Very good, thank you. Very That's interesting it. list, to Joe. He's obviously got a fairly good insight into uh, schoolboy sport, like, and I, I agree with just about everything he says, but I, for me, I um, I don't like it. Like, I've gone along and watched the odd game in Dunedin and mm. watched the kids warm up, and uh, I think the Carlos Venters and Christian Cullens to drop two absolute classic bombs in there of Play with spirit and just see what's in front of you. They're all told to do all these pods and things that the kids are doing. Like I'm sure they're never going to tear They're loving it because they're picked and they're in there and it's on TV. I honestly would like to see the whole lot can't and go back to Kingsall playing boys high and Burden down in Bacaragel and the odd game you play your inter school stuff. But really put the essence back on to like they said that, that um, Jimmy just said about the the Colts age group. Like I'd rather Southland play in Auckland at under 18, under 20 with a competition of some sort of significance to bring back some provincial rivalry at a youth grade because it doesn't seem to... The competitions are still there, don't get me wrong, but you never see them on TV mm. and that, for me, might kind of help the under 20 programme because something's right. We've got to address something because we used to be quite dominant in the under 20 competition and for a few years now we're... We're just about making up the numbers very similar to what the all blacks are doing at the moment so there's a pattern that we need to address somehow and I don't know that having first seen rugby personally on TV and these kids I mean they're going to get that exposure eventually if they're good enough i'm just not, I'm not hundred percent sure what's right and what's wrong but clearly something isn't quite working if you know what I mean like
8: mm. it's a great
7: I enjoy watching it too but it's a lot of It's almost super rugby at a young age. And and the the attrition rate for those kids when they leave school to actually go on and play rugby after that, 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 it's not high. So that's not good either.
0: No, but I mean it hasn't been high for a while mate, to be fair Dean, I think we've seen that drop off, uh, but thanks for your call mate 0800 150 811 0800 150 811 is the number A couple of other texts that have come through I agree 100% with the last caller I manage a top 4 Prems team in counties and players come out of the 1A thinking they deserve dollars to play club footy Plus, has anyone done a study on the mental health of some of those boys who get pumped up at school and then don't make it after school? Well that's interesting, there's no name attached to this one, uh, but there's interesting because you would have thought that the 1A principles when they made this decision if it really was a mental health or mental wellbeing issue they would have backed that up with stats, we've seen nothing which is what makes me think there's something else going on, we'll be back with more calls after this
2: Summer or winter he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
0: 11 away from 10 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Been talking about the 1A competition in Auckland, removing their games from broadcast off of Sky, uh, so you no no longer be able to watch those games. They've said it's down to mental well being, but they haven't backed that up with any stats. Uh, I've heard a few people have said that this is to do with New Zealand rugby, trying to take over the running of schoolboy rugby, and it's the principals uh, basically telling them to go away, and that's what this move is all about. John from Auckland is called through. G'day,
9: mate. How are you? Yeah, morning. How's it going? Yeah, good. Yourself? Yeah, I'm. I'm a little bit perplexed by the decision. Um, I'll tell you why. Mm. Uh, when when I was at high school, there was actually no footage or um, no TV cameras around, and a lot of the players that weren't exposed, that were very good. Um, ended up going over to Australia or the UK, um, and it was very hard for us to set up you know, footage for ourselves to give to clubs, because that's what a lot of professional clubs ask for when you're trying to get to that next level. But in saying that, I get that, the mental health awareness, but most, the New Zealand Rugby Union or the Auckland Rugby Union as such, they should be providing the tools possible for these schools to handle that. And um, whether they are or whether they aren't, Yeah, well, I mean, I think.
0: Yeah, for me, I mean, it's like if you're going to put these kids in this situation, uh, like a lot of these schools have been, I mean, you think that this competition has been going for 13 years, televised for 13 years, shouldn't this have already been there? I mean, it's their job as educators. You know, is this any different to a kid that wants to be. I don't know, a builder getting extra support when it comes to woodwork classes, for example, that if you're going, OK, so we have a pathway here to where we can make help you get to be a professional rugby player, then we need to be yeah. providing with that support with the off-field stuff as much as this, the, the coaching for the on-field stuff?
9: Well, exactly, mate, exactly. And, you know, a lot of these schools, these private schools here in Auckland, they have bigger budgets or the same budgets as some MPC sites, mm. nearly. And... Um, you know that, that some of that budget should go towards mental skills for these young players I understand that a lot of them are still children so a lot needs to be harnessed not only with them but with their families uh, a lot of these kids well if you look in Auckland most of the kids are Pacific Island or Maori playing in the competition so you have to harness their culture mm-hmm. and you have to come from that aspect as well um, but yeah I just think it's it's quite you know I understand the logic but it's quite detrimental for the future of, some of these players who are aspiring to be professionals, um, but in saying that, you know, I'm not too sure. Do they collect, um, you know, re- remuneration from having their games on TV or? Does it go to the New Zealand Rugby Union,
0: or yeah, that, that's a question that I haven't actually even thought to ask, mate? That's a great question. I know yeah. that there will be remuneration in the way of sponsorship because I'm sure if you say to, for example, Land Rover, you know, um, you know, give us X amount of dollars because we're going to have X amount of games on Sky TV. That's kind of how they make some money, Uh, and you've got to think that this is going to hurt that sponsorship, uh, those sponsorship opportunities as well, and it's probably going to impact more on the, uh, I think it was Greg that called through earlier, it's going to impact more on the Airei colleges than it is on the King's colleges, if you know what I mean, if you're losing those sponsorship dollars.
9: Well, exactly, mate, and those are the schools that probably need that sponsorship dollars. But, you know, nothing's for free, so obviously Sky TV must be paying someone to get these hosting rights for First 15, and that money should go to mental mental skills awareness and all these awareness programs for these young people.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's a really good point, John. I did hear there was a message that came through earlier. There was no name attached to it, but it sounded like whoever it was sent it through um, knew something about the system. And they said that these games, there was no central contract with 1A and uh, the broadcast. So it was done with the individual schools who were hosting. So that's interesting in itself. And I, yeah, I'm not sure what the kickback was, if there was any. Uh, it is seven away from 10. Graham, hold on. We'll come to you quickly next.
2: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ. A
0: couple of minutes away from Tim. Thanks for being patient, Graham. How are you, sir? What have you got to say on this 1A situation?
10: Uh, Morning, Rick Dog. Um, I think you hit it on the nail just before the ad there, mate. This competition's been going for 12 or 13 seasons, and now they're all of a sudden worried about their mental well-being. Yep. Like, give us, give us a break, man. Have a look in the mirror, you Mount Albert and walking grammar. and You know, like, it's, uh, it's, it is what it is, man. Most of those boys would have put on Instagram or TikTok this morning what they had for breakfast, mate. Yeah. You know? And then they would have had a shit fight about it. Like, it's just, to use that as the excuse is um, fairly lame. It's a good brand of rugby. I like, I enjoy watching it. I get a bit sick of the seriatrics before and after the games but it's a really, good, a really good style of footy, you see, and you get to see these young players in two or three years' time at NPC level. Like, I don't know what they're... It's, you're like you say, there's something else going on. It's disappointing. Uh, and quickly on the Black Ferns and the All Blacks, the All Blacks pay the bills, man. Mm. They bring in the money. So, get over it. It's, it's, a, it was a, it's a bad decision. I agree with, you know, it should never have happened, but it is what it is, but the All Blacks pay the bills, man. These women wouldn't even have contracts if it wasn't for the All Blacks. So, just, you know, like, I'm going to watch the All Blacks live and I'll take the other game. If I was up north, I'd go to the Black game and take the All Blacks game. But that's just the way it, way it rolls, you know. You just got to suck it up sometimes.
0: Thanks for your call, Graham. 10 o'clock here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to
2: behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on
0: SENZ. It's three past ten here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy away at the T20 World Cup as part of the commentary team. So Ricardo Ball in for him. Coming up this hour, we do have a panel. Uh, Hamish Bidwell and Mark Watson are going to join us later this morning. we also have a uh, Harness Racing Pacing for Purpose update. A love racing update as well with Louis Herman Watt. All of that before 11 o'clock. Joining us right now, though, to talk cricket is Frankie Mackay, uh, White Ferns All-Rounder and SENZ host. As well, g'day, Frankie. How you doing?
3: Good morning. I'm I'm good. Happy uh, happy to ha- be having a chat with you this morning.
0: Yeah, mate. Thanks very much for your time. I mean, I, I don't know what time uh, you were sat in front of the TV watching replays of the Black Caps with the rain delay thing on before you finally gave up and went to bed last night. What what time was it?
3: Oh, it was pretty late. Like I I stayed the course, hoping that it would be one of those. Might get out there for a little five over smash and grab games, but yeah not to be. So then it was off to bed, basically to do it all again day after day after day for the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, wasn't it? Because I don't know how to feel about it. After Ireland upset England earlier, it kind of felt like a win-win. But I think normally you would want to play Afghanistan because you you think you should be getting two points from that game.
3: Yeah, I think that's probably how the side will feel as well. I think when when you look at your draw and you see that you've got a lower ranked team in your pools you generally look at that and say yeah we're going to bank two points there and after such a good start to the tournament as well they'd be thinking they'd go two from two they'd get a little bit of breathing room at the top of the table but not to be so there'll be a little bit of disappointment there and and just a, a loss of an opportunity really to build on that excellent start against Australia so yeah, there'll be a bit of disappointment, but they'll they'll move on, and they have to do it pretty quick. I mean, the tournament moves moves so quickly. The amount of travel everyone's got to do as well. So, I mean, they they travel. They go to Sydney, I think, and then uh, they're turning up again Saturday uh, against Sri Lanka, and, and they're a pretty good team too. So. Yeah, there's, there's not really the time for the Black Blackcaps to dwell on it, but there'll definitely be a, a tinge of disappointment, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was slightly disappointed to see Sri Lanka's effort against the Aussies because I thought they had timed their run well. That, those play-in tournaments for some of those teams actually almost in some ways work in their favour because it gives them a, uh, you know, opportunity to get a bit more battle-hardened before they hit the opening round of the tournament.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the way that trying has set up their their domestic cricket programme as well. I read a stat somewhere I think since since May they've played ninety odd T twenty games in their domestic schedule, which is just Absolutely bonkers to think of the amount of cricket that's getting played there. Then the fact they they've had some international tours as well. They had the Asia Cup, which of course they won, which which was a bit of a I think a bit of a shock in the cricket world. I think everyone expected that that was either going to be India or Pakistan took that out. But Sri Lanka was was the top team there. Came into that play-in tournament, played some really good cricket throughout as well. So. Yeah, it kind of felt like they were building and, and could be, you know, a really exciting prospect in that tournament. And then it was, it was just a bit of a limp effort, unfortunately, against that Australian side. And I think probably everyone in the cricketing world hoped that that after Australia had been tuned up by us, that um, they'd then turn up against Sri Lanka and get tuned up again. And and yeah, so it was it was disappointing to see just the way they went about it. I think the the Aussie quicks that the Sri has just never settled against them. They never got their game plans going. They they never got any real momentum. And and I think they bowled reasonably well in patches. I mean, Aaron Finch came out and admitted he was like, I I basically just couldn't hit the ball. It was bad. It was a little bit embarrassing. It was pretty awful. But, you know, Marcus Stoinis came out and and pumped it everywhere, as as we know he can. So, yeah, I was a little bit disappointing. But, heck, they they are a team to watch out for because when they have their day, they will beat any team in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're a, they're a great side and they're a potential banana skin uh, for New Zealand. Um, we're looking forward though to after the banana skin of Ireland last night, uh, England versus Australia uh, tomorrow. I mean, is this at the point that winner of this uh, is guaranteed semi-final, loser is pretty much done?
3: Yeah, it's looking it's looking like that. I mean. Kind of mentioned earlier that that this pool was was pool of death. It, it gave off vibes that a, a good team was going to miss out, and there could be some upsets along the way. And I think we've seen them already. We've seen some really interesting results. And, and I don't think anyone, in all honesty, would have sat down and said that at the end of the first week of Super 12s, you'd be looking at Australia, England playing each other, and thinking, heck, the the winner of that is probably looking pretty good to to a chance of going through to the semi-finals, and and the losers practically out. So. Yeah, it was always thought, you know, if you if you had two losses, you were going to struggle to get through, especially with the amount of weather that's around as well. We will only see more rained out games, I think, with the forecast going around pretty much all of Australia. So, yeah, the theory was lose two and, and you're going to struggle and, and all of a sudden you've got two of the tournament's favourite teams and they're staring down the barrel of that already. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a, a massive day uh, for the World Cup and, and just, yeah, massive weekend of cricket.
0: Should the organisers just move the whole thing to WA and be done with it? So we get some cricket.
3: I mean, it's a little bit like that. Uh, I mean, I'm a I'm a Christchurch local, and we copped a little bit of flack for our our cold weather and and uh, everything when we had the tri series down here. But it stayed reasonably dry. We got the cricket in, so I mean, maybe maybe it needed to come over to New Zealand and and we could host. And yeah, and, and I mean, it's just it's just bad luck, isn't it? Whenever you get a tournament like that, and you just basically the whole country's got rain except for one or two spots. It's it's never ideal, but yeah, it's, it's frustrating, that's for sure. And even for, I mean, even for the cricket fans, you know, you you wait for a big tournament to come around, and and everyone's eagerly waiting and, and watching some of these matchups, and then for rain to come in, that's not what you want. But I mean, it could it could make for some really interesting results, especially if you get into, I mean, five overs a side constitutes a game. So yeah, imagine that a World Cup being decided on just one over each for the bowlers and batters get out there and and make hay while you can for thirty balls.
0: Well, it's better than boundary count back.
3: Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong, that's for sure. You're absolutely not wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What are you made of uh, Australia's decision so far not to bat Steve Smith? I mean, Glenn Maxwell coming in at four um, makes their batting look very thin, I think.
3: Yeah, it's a really interesting one around the way that that teams are elected to play. I think that both England and Australia have probably led the way in how they want it to look, I guess, as a bit of a concept with some real heavy hitters dotted throughout the order and some teams have followed suit, some have not so much. We've probably, we're probably blessed with the fact we've got some extreme talent at at the top of the order in a Finn Allen and a Devin Conway, so we can go with someone who is just Out there to slug it round and do it as quickly as possible, and then you've got someone who's still going to score at a really quick rate, but more of a low risk approach. So yeah, it's an interesting one with Australia. I think they they really struggle to fit Steve Smith in just purely for the fact with how Aaron Finch is playing as well. I think if he was at his best. With a strike rate of up 150-160, I think they could probably afford to have Steve Smith in there, almost use him as a as a way to try and hold the innings together and and let the top order go and play with a bit of freedom. But the fact that Finch isn't really scoring as quickly as he, as anyone would like means he kind of has to play the anchor role because that's as quickly as he can score. So it means you've got to have more and more of those hitters in there and they've got to slide a little bit higher up the order too. So it's high risk, high reward. If it, if it comes off, they'll make some big totals. But, I mean, we've seen so far that, that perhaps it's, it's not the best strategy for tournament play where you've just got to score one more run than the other team.
0: Well, that's the thing. The Aussies are banking on Dave Warner and Aaron Finch to go bang, bang, right? Uh, but but neither of them have been able to do that. And as you said, Aaron Finch, I mean, that game in, even against Sri Lanka, he carried his bat, uh, but still only made 30-odd and his strike rate was only about 75. I mean, for me, you put Steve Smith in that position, Steve Smith still, will still score at a strike rate of 100 for you and he'll, you know, he, he will, uh, he'll Change ends a lot, lot more. Give the bowler more to think about, and 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 has different, you know, a lot more scoring options than Aaron Finch.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, it's a really tricky spot for any team to be in, and it's it's been quite interesting actually. A lot of the teams, their their captain seems to be the player that's struggling for form a little bit, that's under the pump, and just how that affects selection and affects team dynamics as well around that. Because it's, I mean, it's a hard role at the best of times. T twenty, you spend most of the game under the pump, scratching your head, trying to look cool, calm and collected on the outside, but feeling, you know, it's just completely under the pump most of the game. So to then have your own form coming into question and knowing it's not going that well just adds another layer to it. So I I honestly think, you know, most teams couldn't afford to leave out a player of Steve Smith's quality and, and calibre. But you know, I, I think if they are to make a change, especially near that top of the order, I think you might actually see Cameron Green come in. Uh, they've they've managed to get him in as a as an injury replacement. He played a lot of their uh, lead up cricket opening the betting, uh, just basically with a free licence to, to go out and whack it. And I I think they like him as a bowling option as well. So Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I can't fathom how you can leave a guy like Steve Smith out of out of any format of cricket. It's a bit like us with Kane Williamson. He's our best player, and, and you put faith in your best player to, to be able to get the job done, regardless of situation. But yeah, I think if they're making a change, it'll be it'll be Cam Green that comes into that lineup.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to keep an eye on. I mean, New Zealand obviously uh, broke the the hoodoo of beating Australia in Australia in that opening game. Leading into this tournament, England uh, beat Australia in a series as well. Where do you think Australia are currently at and you know going into this game at the weekend are England favorites?
3: Yes, yeah, massively, yep, definitely. I think even if you just look at world rankings, England's comfortably in the top three and I, and I think Australia languishing down in sixth. so it gives a little bit of an indication as to how the last year or eighteen months has gone form wise for these two teams. Obviously, you know you turn up on the day if someone has a blinder and and hits you know eighty or ninety or forty balls, then then their team's probably going to win. But yeah, I have to look at it and say you know England looked like looked like favourite. I think a lot of the team, a lot of the people talking about this tournament thought that England India was looking like the two heavy hitters were, were going to be the two teams to watch out for in the tournament. That looks like your your obvious finalists just from from first glance. So yeah, I think Aussie uh, they're actually I think they're in a world of trouble to be really honest. I think Pat Cummins has been uh, He's been expensive with the ball, but I'm not quite sure how to use Mitchell Stark now. He used to, you know, run in and take wickets in the first couple of overs, basically every time he got the ball. Now I think he's only uh, managed three three wickets in the first couple of overs in his last ten um, attempts at doing it. So he's lost his uh, effectiveness. Josh Hazelwood looks like he's trying to bowl a miracle ball every every ball. They looked a bit bemused by New Zealand and the tactic and. And having Finn Allen at the top of the order, it looked like they were just a little bit shell shocked. Adam Zamper's had COVID. Glenn Maxwell's hardly been scoring any runs. Mitchell Marsh has been injured and still barely bowling. So, yeah, I just think their team balance looks off. I think they're a team that's just searching for exactly how they want to go about things. And I think they're possibly just a team that isn't used to being in this position. They're a team that are used to being really successful and, and bullying other teams. And, and now they're the ones that actually have to take a bit of punishment and, and deal with how to do that and, and take it you know, in their stride and, and adapt on the fly. And, and so far, I you know, I haven't seen much of it. And I think teams that can't adapt in T20 cricket, they're the teams that really struggle and... You know, in all honesty, I think if England comes out and, and whacks it around that, that first six overs, has a good power play, then I think we'll see the same stuff from Australia. And I'm not sure that their batters can chase it down either. So, yeah, I think they're steering down the barrel of an early exit of a home World Cup, which won't be much fun for them. But, yeah, they, they've got to try and pull something out of fire here.
0: it would be hilarious for us.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think we'd enjoy it. I mean, we've we've been on the other end of some uh, some hidings from them. And as you said, 11 years since... Uh, it's a positive result over an Aussie and yeah, I think they like to definitely, you know, beat up on the Kiwis and have a bit of a laugh at our expense. So yeah, it'd be it'd be rather nice to say in their home World Cup that we're through to the top four and, and they're on their way home to watch it on the T V. So yeah, we, we will definitely enjoy it, that's for
8: sure.
0: Now, Frankie, a quick uh, question for you. Kurt's texted through on double eight double three. Hi, Ricardo. Quick cricket question: Do any games get played at the Marvel Stadium that's got the roof on it? Doesn't seem uh, fair if it can't be, uh, if it can be closed.
3: Yeah, that's a great question, actually. And there's uh, a little bit of discussion about that last night. There's nothing scheduled for Marvel Stadium with a roof, which seems uh, yeah, which seems daft. But it didn't come into the uh, top cricket grounds, which. I mean, it's probably fair based on watching a little bit of the the Big Bash there. The Wicket isn't as good as as some of the other venues, especially not, you know, when you're comparing it to the MCG and and SCG and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's not one of the uh, top cricket grounds, so it wasn't, uh, wasn't scheduled to host any cricket. It hasn't got any cricket. You'd think you'd like to think that well, there'd be some sense, and you could reorganise your draw to say hello. You've got a stadium with a roof. Let's try and get some games played there. But not to be. And uh, yeah, I think the the draw for this tournament was. Would have been set maybe two, two and a half years ago by the ICC, so maybe there's not that degree of flexibility. But, yeah, it seems silly when everyone's sitting around watching the rainfall and just down the road there's a stadium with a roof on it just just hanging out. No one playing there. So, yeah, an interesting one.
0: It is an interesting one. It's 17 past 10. Frankie McKay with us, of course, uh, Whitefern, and also host of the Canterbury Sports Corner. What have you got lined up this weekend, Frankie?
3: It's a good question we're we're going to debate all the things going on, Canterbury sport. I think we'll have uh, a fair bit of time talking about the All blacks. There'll be a little bit of time as well uh with the scheduling clash between the Black ferns and the All Blacks, which is just not a great look for anyone really but uh yeah hopefully we'll we'll be able to delve into that and and encourage a few people to watch Black ferns as well in a in a big quarterfinal in a home world Cup for so them. Uh, a little bit of cricket, of course, I have to find a way to shoehorn that into the show. And, and I think we've got a little bit of football coming up as well. So, yeah, we'll we'll have a good chat about everything going on. And, of course, with a nice red and black slant to it, which I'm sure everyone enjoys.
0: Yeah, indeed. The Canterbury Sports Corner, 7 o'clock Saturday morning. You can catch it. SESD Christchurch will use the app and choose the uh, Christchurch option. And you can hear Frankie uh, talking Canterbury Sports, 7 o'clock Saturday mornings right here. Thanks very much for your time, mate. Enjoy the rest of the Cricket World Cup, eh?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much. Cheers.
0: Eighteen past ten. When we come back, it's the panel with Hamish Bidwell and Mark Watson.
2: Roa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk,
3: talk to me, yeah. Yeah.
2: 1023
0: joining us on the panel today, Mark Watson. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well, Ricardo. All good. Thank you. And Hamish Bidwell as well. How are you going, Hamish? Beautiful day here in Hawke's Bay. Hello, gentlemen. Is it any, ever any different in Hawke's Bay unless there's a cricket game on?
11: Yeah, no, sir, <laughs> Jonathan, India you are coming in November... They'll be tipping down when that comes. Yeah,
0: yeah guaranteed, mate. Guaranteed. Uh, gentlemen, we'll get to some cricket a little bit later on, but I wanted to start with this First 15 rugby situation. We talked about it in the first hour of the show. The Auckland 1A schools have decided to ban broadcasting their games in the interests of player welfare. That is the story we're being told anyway. Mark, I know you've got ties with Mags. Uh, you're up here. You're close to the secondary schools game. You've called some of these games. What do, what do you make of the decision and the reasons that we have been given as to why they've made this decision?
12: Yeah, look, I I did the first two seasons of uh, Cooler Group Beyond Sky, myself, Keith Quinn, Ken Laban, and Bull Allen. You know, I was there for the very first game, which was Mount Abbott Grammar, Rockland Grammar. And look, I I think it started and had the best intent, very much driven by Ken Laban. It was about celebrating tradition, history, and I guess the purity of schoolboy rugby. But somewhere along the way, I think it has got all muddled. Um, You know, I think it's damaged the reputations of schools like St. Kennegan's and King's with this arms race. Um, I'm actually in agreement with it being banned. I am. I think there is too much pressure on these young kids now, but more importantly, part of the reason why I'm not a big fan of it, I think it's actually been detrimental to club rugby. You know, secondary school rugby now seems to the stepping stone to higher honours, and I think the biggest problem with that is that a lot of the kids that are stars at school are just really, really big kids, and club rugby actually takes that out of the equation. You know, size is not going to be a good enough factor to get you through. Um, but you know you, you, you know, my wife will sit there and watch First 15 rugby, she'll see the size of these kids on television and she goes, there's no way I, I want my little son playing in that he's going to get beaten up, he's going to get just monstered and so, you know, I'm not someone who is politically correct but I think there's a lot of um, rationale and good reason for why uh, the likes of Pat Drum, the headmaster of Manavit Grammar and others have made this decision.
0: Uh, Hamish, we were talking about this in the first hour um, and we had a f- a quite, a, quite a lot of correspondence uh, backing both the decision and saying that you know it, it was a wrong decision that was made. There was a few people pointing out that they thought this was potentially some sort of power play from the 1A schools because NZR in the last couple of weeks apparently have, have, have tried to take over running schools school rugby. I I don't know what your take on this is.
11: Mate, I'm in the provinces. I don't care what they do in Auckland. I almost view it as a different country, if I'm honest about it. Um, And I agree with a lot of Mark's sentiments. Um, I I find putting children on TV grotesque. Um, I think they have enough things going on in their lives, enough pressures, enough fears and anxieties without putting them on display for people to criticise them and judge them. I I don't care for it at all. Um, I get that there's been an audience for it. I get that it employs people and I've seen Ken Laban quoted saying, "It's you know, it's the end of the world as we know it, and that's fine because he makes a buck calling those games." But I don't, I don't think we should be publicising children's sport at all. Um, I think, yeah, I think they've got enough things to
0: worry about. Do you think?
12: Just, just on that, though, Ric- sorry, Ricardo. Just on yeah. that. Look, knowing Pat Drum and knowing him well. Um, Knowing the type of headmaster he is, look, I I genuinely think this is actually first and foremost purely around education. Um, I'd imagine that some of those other schools might have taken a little bit of convincing, but Mount Abbot Grammar haven't had the cameras at school for the last 10 years. There'd been one school that said, hey, we don't want the cameras here. We did a centennial game this year, live stream, but we were paid for that. We were in control of that. And that was simply because it was a centenary game celebrating 100 years. Um, So is it a power play? Yeah, look, I don't think you're going to see some other big television deal come out of this and the schools are going to somehow benefit from it.
0: Yeah, it was interesting, I mean, because you talk about it being from an educational point of view, and I looked at this and I looked at, say, high school basketball in in the US or uh, the under-18 leagues that they have in the Premier League or in European football, uh, tennis, things like this. I mean, kids at the same age in different sports are being exposed like this, but part of it as educators is that you put in the support networks and the education on how to deal with this around it. So, I mean, much like... Say, uh, somebody that wanted to be a builder, uh, you know, you give them the extra expertise, whether it come to workshop with woodwork or tech drawing or whatever it happens to be. Don't you just treat this the same as another potential profession and give them those skills around it, Mark?
12: Yeah, yeah look, I know. Look, I remember talking to Pat Drummond. and they put a really big emphasis, you know, and it's true at school. They want to make these young men and young women, good people, and they're trying to teach them a whole lot of um, life skills and the way to conduct themselves. And they said the biggest challenge is you're trying to teach them one thing, and then Saturday afternoon, expect them then to sort of morph into this monster, this animal the moment they cross the white line. And they, and they found that actually quite challenging with a lot of youngsters. But I, look, I say this, let's put club rugby on. Let's make that the stepping stone. Let's build that. You know, we've eroded the NPC. We're eroding club rugby. And I sort of have got to the point where I think you know, New Zealand rugby believe honestly that as long as King's College and St. Kennigan's are healthy, all black rugby is going to be healthy. And I'm
0: not sure if that's the case, Ricardo. Mm. I mean, Hamish, I'm not sure about uh, what it's like outside of Auckland on the, on, on the rugby front, um, but there seems to be here that the clubs are basically uh, disincentivised from having teams for under 16s upwards because the push is to have kids play for their schools. And so there is this drop off. Uh, You know, from kids that have been coming through the age groups because if you don't play for your school, you don't play at all. Is that something that you've also dealt with in the provinces?
11: Oh, look, it's an arms race, right? So, like, my experience is going back a long time. I played first-team rugby at Wellington College. We were one of the better teams in the country at that point. We're not anymore because the school doesn't ship people in from Rotorua, Taupo, wherever, and, and move their whole family to Wellington to get them to play for Wellington College. They haven't high professional coaches like if you're not creating a professional high performance environment at your school then you don't compete and rightly or wrongly my old school hasn't done that and I I think I'd love to see the heat come out of it I think by it becoming more obscure by, by it becoming something that you can only see by attending yourself I think you take a lot of the nasty stuff out of it in terms of poaching and recruitment and just the pressure that that comes with having to deliver results when you're pumping hundreds of thousands of dollars into it. You know, it's a, it's a it's a lucrative job for guys who've left MPC coaching and Super Rugby coaching. They're making heaps of money coaching first of things. And I just, I don't like that model. And I, I agree with what Mark's saying about the rugby pyramid. I think we've got it a little bit wrong. And anything that, that, that diminishes the importance of 1st sixteen rugby would be a positive
0: in my book. Yeah, well, I mean, that's and that's the point that I was trying to make there, is, I mean, if, if clubs are being uh, disincentivised to have teams from under-16s upwards because they want them to play for schools, maybe that's something that needs to be revisited, whether it's from, you know, the local rugby union in Hawke's Bay or Auckland or, or Wellington or wherever it happens to be, or whether it's an NZR call, Mark.
12: Yeah, yeah look, look, it's... I remember talking to, um, back in talk back on another station years ago, and I had, I think it was the coach of College Rifles called me and he said, Look, and we were on this topic, and he said, Look, one of the biggest problems we've got is we get these kids that come out of, these top schools and they're not actually used to losing. They haven't they haven't lost because they've been in an environment where they're constantly winning. And you know, we were very much pointing the finger at St Kenigan's at the time. But then not only that, these parents are saying, Well my kids only going to come to your club out of first fifteen if you're going to put him straight into the Premier team. He's not going to go back and start again. After all, he was the star of his first fifteen and this is some of the issues that the clubs are having. But also too, you know you know, in Auckland particularly we do have a large Pacifica and a Māori community and those kids do go through puberty a little bit earlier. They are slightly bigger. And what are we doing to cater for the late developer? If, if you're told that you're not good enough at first 15 rugby and that's the stepping stone, are you going to stay in the game longer? No, you're not. Where club rugby and even the under 85s does still cater for the late developer. And you know, you've know you got more and more. Use. Where is our locking stocks here in Auckland? Well, I'll tell you where they are. They're all playing basketball. They're all rolling now.
0: Yep. Yeah, some good points made uh, by Mark Watson. Hamish but we'll on the panel. We'll continue that after the latest in news and sport with Arava.
3: Big talk, big opinions,
1: the
0: panel. 26 away from 11, the panel with us, Mark Watson, Hamish Bidwell today. We'll take a breather from talking rugby uh, for a couple of minutes and talk some T20 World Cup. Uh, Hamish, did you see uh, that Ireland win against England coming? I mean, I know it was um, Duckworth Lewis related, but still, I mean, England were far from impressive in that game.
11: Yeah, they can ego's Irish by dropping Darwin in the land so he could throw the sandbag England's chase um, with a masterstroke. I'm delighted. I listen to a lot of English cricket podcasts. They're as smug as you can get. Um, But the, the thing that it underlines, and this is something that New Zealand's going to confront as the tournament goes on, is in this short format you are going to get tipped over occasionally, and I don't think it would be a shock for New Zealand to lose once or twice in the remainder of pool play, and it's going to be a really evenly contested group. You've got England uh, Australia playing this, well, I think it's Friday like that's going to be massive, the implications of both things, we assume one will, will miss out on qualifying but we don't know yet because it depends how New Zealand goes like Sri Lanka aren't easy beats, we've seen that, that Ireland are, are good, you know we still have to play England, it's a, it's a good tournament and I don't like the 2020 format, but when you reduce the game, you create the opportunity for upsets, and we certainly saw one last
0: night. Yeah, we did see one last night. Um, Mark, I know that, the uh, as Hamish has said, you know, T20 is it's probably not my favourite form of cricket, but uh, it is, seems to be where the money is, and where the money goes is where the cameras go, so that's where we're at. What have you made of the World Cup so far?
12: Yeah, look, I enjoy it. I, I think there's far too much T20 cricket on. I don't think there's any legacy uh, a lot of the time with T20 cricket. Like, you don't wake up and uh, a lot of the tournaments in between and you go, well, that's a defining moment in New Zealand sport. We're going to be talking about that for a long time. I mean, you're happy for half an hour, but you don't wake up, you know, for the next 24 hours. It doesn't necessarily unite a nation, but it does when it comes to a World Cup, and particularly when you beat Australia. I still don't think there's anything better in New Zealand sport than we beat the Australians in cricket in a meaningful game. And meaningful game is generally one-day World Cup, T20 World Cup, or any sort of test match. Um, look, it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's a, you know, anytime you shorten anything up, as Hamish said, it's a bit like tennis. If you made tennis just one set, how many more times would Agassi and Nadal and Federer and stuff have lost games? And so... Know, one or two players on their day can take it away from an entire team where I think in Test match cricket you probably need to have six or seven you know I mean how what are the implications of that game against um, Afghanistan for us being um, rained out being washed out a game let's be honest I think we would have won um, based on what even what I've just said but yeah uh, look I'm, I'm just thrilled that we've got Countries like Ireland, it's nice to see Zimbabwe back um, off the back of the Mugabe regime. And you know, they were just starting to get real momentum, weren't they, in the 1990s and the early 2000s? And what a way to sell cricket if these smaller nations, cricketing nations like Ireland, can get victories over the English. I mean, you know, don't only got to go to Ireland to realize how much they hate the English. So, look, that's the great thing about sport, isn't it? If you want to grow a sport, go to the big games and win against the big nations, and you will inspire the next generation.
0: Uh, this is a slight Freud moment here, but I, I, I have to ask it. Uh, Hamish, do you prefer seeing the English rugby team lose or the English cricket team lose? Oh
11: rugby team. Uh, cricket team, and I loved it that uh, I was watching Owen Morgan, the Irish former England captain, try and give some match analysis after the game, and you could tell he had... Well, I didn't know which team he was looking to call we at different times, you know, because he sort of... Yes, he captained England. Yes, he's a decorated player. Yes, he was a world champion, a World Cup winning captain for them. But he's got to be Irish at heart, and you can tell that sort of coming through in some of his comments.
0: Yeah, indeed, Mark. For you,
11: Oh, I
12: just can't stand English rugby, mate. Uh, Any time England rugby lose, mate, I, I you know, that just soul breaking when they beat us in rugby, just for the reasons you said about their cricket team. I think they're even worse with their rugby team in terms of the way they talk themselves up. But no, I can handle. England um, winning in cricket a lot more than I can handle England winning in rugby.
0: All right, let's uh, continue talking rugby. Then uh, New Zealand rugby have officially responded to criticism about the scheduling clash between the All Blacks and the Black Ferns. Mark, um, I mean, is th- we're, we're having to look more and more to countries like Japan and the US um, to prop up New Zealand rugby, especially with South Africa heading north uh, and Australia not being as strong as they once were. Um, I mean, what did, what did you make of this? And is this just a, 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 a you know means to an end in a way? yeah look
12: i oh, oh, look oh, look this is just this is just a cock up from New zealand rugby there 's nothing more sinister about it it 's just a dumb mistake. Um, w- what annoys me is i just and this is the thing that 's annoyed me with this women 's rugby world cup i 'm just sick and tired of the politi- politicalisation of it. Everything seems to have some sort of political agenda attached to it. And, Um, and it's actually detracted from the game. You know, I'm sick and tired of constantly hearing about oppression and that the relationship between men and women historically has always been one of dominance. Let's just enjoy the women's rugby for what it is. It's a really, really good product. I guess we'll find out tomorrow how big women's rugby is versus how big men's rugby is. Should it have happened? No, it shouldn't have. But if the women's product is as strong as they tell us it is, I'm sure they'll still have a great audience. Um, We all know that the outcome of both games is going to be one-sided, mind you, (laughs) under Foster and the way... Japan played at the World Cup? Maybe not but historically it would suggest that the All Blacks should beat Japan comfortably. You've only got to go back a couple of weeks to realise that the Blacks have beat Wales comfortably. Look I think there's a nice compromise with TV3 putting one game on later and Sky putting the other one on later so that you can technically watch both as long as you're not listening to the radio or following any social media to find out what the result is.
0: Yeah, um, I mean from your point of view Hamish I kind of went, it was more a bad look about you know where the CEO's going to be more than the fact that there was a scheduling clash because I thought this might be a Japanese rugby union um, scheduling issue rather than a New Zealand rugby one.
11: Look, as long as he's wearing that brown sweater, he stole off Adam Scott when he uh, reiterated that Ian Foster was the greatest coach we've ever seen, and uh, I'll, I'll be happy wherever he is. Like I don't, I don't care about this at all. I don't have Spark. I haven't watched a minute of the Women's World Cup, and I, I'm not going to. Um, Frankly, I'm playing cricket on Sunday and I'll have a few beers after and I'll catch up with probably the All Blacks that I have to for professional purposes later in the piece, but, you know, like, useless from NZR, but, like, let's just take our hand off it. Like, we are being absolutely ridiculous as Mark says about this tournament and we've got people like Kitty Allen saying that it's a disgrace, like, fed income. Why would you give some... I don't know why we give these people oxygen. I know she's a government minister and good luck to her, but I don't care about those people at all. I don't care about their opinions on sport particularly. And I just... Yeah, we seem to want to confect controversy at all times. Like, honestly, if you want to watch one, watch it. If you want to watch the other, watch that. But who gives a hoot? Why do we have to have shock, damnation, and bloody, you know, hand wringing It's just, it's some games of sport. Like, there's cricket on that night. There's other sports that people watch. You know, the Breakers or the Phoenix are playing for Gotham. Probably, I've got no idea. But, like, if you want to watch something, watch it. If you don't, don't.
0: And that's the end of it.
11: Yeah. yeah,
12: Yeah, and stop telling us what we should watch and stop trying to make out that if we don't watch it, somehow we're anti-women or a misogynist. I am just over it. Let it organically grow. Stop trying to inflate it. Let's just enjoy it for what it is and let's move on because it's actually the political environment around this women's sport, Women's World Cup at the moment, is actually detrimental to it.
0: Mm. All right. Uh, Lastly, gentlemen, Super Rugby. Uh, next year apparently there's no point in watching it. Uh, uh, Liam McDonald has confirmed that the All Blacks will have a game time carefully managed ahead of the World Cup, so it's going to be Blues A versus Crusaders A, and maybe the Chiefs B versus Highlanders C at different times. Uh, Mark, I mean, we have we've had enough of this in the past. Do we do we, do we really need any more? No, well,
12: I've already talked today about the erosion of club rugby. MPC is basically club rugby now. It's just a made-for-TV product. No one's pinning up to watch that. And now super rugby, the crowds are diminishing. I can't think of the competition anywhere in the world where our players, where the top players just don't play. Can Ian Foster and these guys tell me how rest in rotation and pulling players out of super rugby this year helped the damn All Blacks when they lost four tests? Can someone tell me how it helped us when we lost the semi-final of the Rugby World Cup in 2019. Stop the PowerPoint presentations. Get rid of the sports scientists. Turn up every week. By the time they pick up an injury anyway, they'll miss enough damn rugby. But just play the damn game because all we're doing is putting all our eggs in the basket and we're just making it all about the All Blacks and now the All Blacks are losing. We're just saying, oh, judge us on the World Cup. So we've reduced rugby once every four years. I have had a gutsful and I'm just not sure who the clowns are running this game, but what part of this don't they
0: get. Yeah, what part of it don't they get? Hamish, it seems a weird one to me that you'd pull players out of Super Rugby uh, for rest and rotation and then throw them into a game against the Springboks, the biggest, physical, most physical team in the world, two weeks out from the World Cup. I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of people, a lot of Kiwis still have PTSD from that Snaman hit on Brodie Retellick that just about ruled him out of 2019.
11: Look, as I alluded to before, I, I watch the All Blacks for professional purposes. I'm not a fan. I wouldn't watch otherwise. Oh, I shouldn't say this out loud, but the only game of Super I watched last year or well, this year was the final. Um, give me South Canterbury against Wanganui at Pleasant Point every day of the week or Napier Old Boys Marist against Hastings Rugby and Sports. Like, I just don't care. Like, And they've made us not care because they have told us that the results don't matter, whether it's the All Blacks, whether it's Super Rugby, where you take people out to so the results of meaningless, They're exhibition games, trial games, call them what you will, tune-ups. Like, they have taken all the meaning out of rugby and they cannot then turn around and expect us to watch and if they are going to make us watch then charge us less to go to the games and take a, a big chunk out of our TV subs because like, we are getting such an inferior product and we, we're tired of it.
0: Yeah, indeed. I think they yeah, echo the sentiments of a lot there. Gentlemen, thanks very much for being on the panel today. Go well and enjoy your weekend.
12: No worries. Love you here, Ricardo. By the way, love you here, mate.
0: <laughs> Thanks very much. What? Go well. Go <laughs> well. well. You too, uh, Hamish. Have a great weekend. It is sixteen away from eleven. He's the voice of sport in our This is mornings with
2: Ian Smith on NZNZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand pacing for purpose season two.
0: Yeah, live the dream. Get involved in Harness Racing today. NZ Harness Racing. Visit hrnz.co.nz. Uh, we are looking to make some money uh, for uh, our women's refuge. That's our charity of choice here on uh, mornings with Ian Smith. And that's what uh, Harness Racing New Zealand's pacing for purpose is all about. So this is the uh, this is where we're investing our money this week. Now it's racing at Kaikoura This is happening on Monday, uh, twelve thirty-five. Is the start time. It's race two, number three, Wild Willow. Been in strong races of late, stable, has a big opinion, and can win. So, Wild Willow is the tip. Race two, Horse Three, Wild Willow. That is at Kaikoura on Monday at around half past 12. You can join Mick and Greg every Sunday from midday for coverage of all harness racing action from across New Zealand. Um, so that is where you can find out all about that it is 10 away from 11 we've had more texts coming through uh, about the panel uh, a few of those things that uh, were brought up there uh, no name on this one but uh, why do the ABs need a rest most of the players only play half a game now anyway Uh, this one as well love listening but I can't disagree more with the panel regarding Super Rugby I can't wait for it to start again NPC was awesome and I'll watch as much of the Super Games as possible maybe that guy who said he only watches Super and AB's professional reasons should move on he obviously doesn't have passion for his job that one is from Adam thanks for your text keep them rolling in on double eight double three double eight double three is the text line. We've had lots of text through as well, talking about the Auckland One A competition no longer being broadcast on Sky Sports Uh, Henry has sent this text through is this a kickback because the number number 1 A team made the top 4 as Westlake from the 1B comp beat the winner of 1A there is definitely something more to this than exposure the boys get from televised games it's key if they're wanting a crack in the professional environment if anything this is the kids that are missing out that one is from Henry thanks for your text keep them coming through it is 8 away from 11
2: Sport in Aotearoa, this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
0: Three minutes away from 11 o'clock here on SENZ. Uh, mornings with Ian Smith. We haven't got to it today because we've been talking so much rugby, so much cricket, but there has been more games in the Champions League this morning, and uh, we've seen some interesting results, including Tottenham uh, being denied a last-minute winner at home against Sporting Lisbon. It finished one all Antonio Conte was sent off, given a red card. He'll be banned from the touchline for at least the next game after Harry Kane had scored what they thought was a late winner, and it was disallowed. Allowed via VAR for being offside. Elsewhere, Inter Milan beat Victoria Pleasant, which meant that Barcelona couldn't make the knockout stages of the Champions League. They then went on to lose 3-0 at home to Bayern Munich and Barcelona now financially. uh, They banked a lot this season on making the playoff stages of the Champions League. They got a tough draw, and now they are going to be in the Europa League, Barcelona, uh, and that's going to have knock-on effects into next season. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. They were talking about trying to get Lionel Messi back from PSG, but I don't know that they'll have the money to be able to do that now unless they sell more of the shares in their rights. Uh, But we'll see how that develops. Napoli beaten Rangers 3-0. Liverpool got up away at Ajax to win 3-0. It means they're guaranteed into the knockout stages as well. Atletico Madrid and Bayer Leverkusen drew to all and on track Frankfurt got up over Marseille by two goals to one as well. So, looking like uh, at the moment, there's uh, pretty much most of the round of 16 clubs are confirmed. Napoli and Liverpool from Group A are there. Club Bruges from Belgium and Porto of Portugal and Group B are through to their last 16 as are Bayern and Inter Milan from Group C. Uh, All up for grabs though come the last match day in Group D. Tottenham are on 8 points from Sporting Lisbon on 7, Eintracht on 7 and Marseille on 6. All comes down to the last game there. Chelsea from Group E have qualified for the last round of 16 but uh, still between AC Milan and Salzburg as to who will join them. Real Madrid are through to the last 16 as well from Group F but RB Leipzig and Shakhtar are still gunning it out for the second spot. Group G is seen Man City and Dortmund both qualify and Benfica and PSG have qualified as well for the last 16 of the Champions League that'll get underway uh, now after the World's Cup of course we do still have one more round of group games left but a lot of them will be dead rubbers uh, because that we already know as I've seen there, there's only a couple of places still up for grabs coming up in the next hour. We're going to look at the Super Rugby squads uh, for next season and uh, talk with Campbell Burns from the Rugby News. We'll ask him about the 1A situation as well and about the All Blacks getting rest and see what his take on it is. Also, your opportunity to play stumped in the next hour, a $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. And we'll have our Greyhound Racing New Zealand charity run. Catch up with staff as well and see what's happening after midday right here on SENZ.
2: the stumps to behind the mic. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
0: Three past eleven here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ricardo Ball with you. Will Smithy is away at the T20 World Cup. Make sure you join the SCNZ Breakfast team. They're broadcasting live tomorrow from the Whangarei Chemist Warehouse store. You can go down there from 6 o'clock to see the guys and your chance to win tickets to the Women's Rugby World Cup quarterfinals as well. SENZ Breakfast broadcasting live from Chemist Warehouse right opposite. Right opposite, I should say, Semenoff Stadium in Whangarei tomorrow morning. Uh, time to talk uh, rugby. I'm going to talk super rugby. We're going to talk 1A. We're going to talk all sorts uh, with Campbell Burns, uh, who joins us now from Rugby News, the editor, of course. G'day, Campbell. How are you? Very good morning to
13: you there, Ricardo.
0: Are you, are you getting up to Whangarei uh, at all uh, tomorrow? No, no, I'm not. I'll be,
13: uh, uh, but I, I will be watching. Uh, Watching the game, I have to do a bit of a uh, match report for All Blacks. so I'll, I'll certainly be watching it live. Which means I'll probably have to uh, watch the first half of the All Blacks and then take the second half and watch it after the Black Ferns.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Actually, I mean, it's going to be an understrength um, All Blacks team, but uh, you, you'd expect them to. They should have too much for for a Japanese side that you know ro- uh, rolled over to Australia in A in a series recently.
13: Oh yeah, look, I'd be surprised if the All Blacks didn't win by. By forty to fifty points, um, and that's even even with all the all the disruptions uh, that that the All Blacks have had in the past uh, week or so. So yeah, I mean you would expect uh, uh, you would expect a fairly comfortable victory for both the, the All Blacks and the Black Ferns on Saturday night.
0: Now I know we uh, originally you know we got in touch to talk about Super Rugby squads, and we will do that, mate. But of course, in the meantime, this news about the One uh, A competition in Auckland no longer being broadcast on Sky. What was y- your reaction to that, and to the reasoning given?
13: yeah because um it was interesting because I wasn't entirely surprised. I see Pat drum from uh, Mount Albert grammar uh was quoted in the in the article in the herald there um and, and mags have, have taken a view the past few years that they don't welcome the sky cameras uh which is fair enough they they want their students to focus a bit more rather than rather than worry about their haircuts uh, when they go on <laughs> t v so um I know there was some there's been some disquiet for a, for a while around that but uh I guess I was a bit surprised that all the um, Auckland 1A schools have signed up to this, uh, including the likes of um, St Cairns and, and Kings, uh, so there won't be any live TV coverage. Um, and I'm not sure what uh, what other competitions we'll, we'll be doing around the rest of the country, because whether, whether Sky will just focus in on them, on the Super 8, on the Crusaders uh, region uh, tournament, the Otago competition, the Wellington competition. Um, so... Yeah, it's an interesting call. I, I, I can see the valid reasons behind it, but uh, I, I did see a comment that there were going to be uh, no media interviews for any coaches or players before or during the season. So, is that uh, applying to all levels of media? Um, we don't actually know just yet. We need to find out a bit more around that. But that might not be uh, that might not be the best move. But I can sort of understand the rationale behind uh, behind this because we have seen um, a real explosion of, in, in recent years of Social media um, and the negative influences that come out of that, and uh, much of that's driven by TV. Well, that's not a that's not Sky's fault. Uh, I, I would hasten to add.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it feels like the you know the, the the same principles that have made this call are the ones that embraced it 12 years ago, and and you know have made money. For their schools with sponsorship and things off it, so it's it's an interesting call. I, I, I don't see the Super Eight doing the same thing. I know they've got to deal with uh, Māori TV, but um, uh, yep. and they stream some games. Uh, but I think, I mean, if you're uh, running the rugby programs at those Super Eight schools, you might be rubbing your hands thinking your recruitment might be about to be go through the roof because these Auckland kids uh, might feel like they need to be on TV and they might might come south.
13: Yeah, well, that's yeah, that, that's certainly one of the dangers, and I know that happened a couple of years ago um, when the Auckland season finished early because of COVID, um, and there was there was the odd student uh, who left uh, the Auckland one A competition and uh, or their schools and went uh, went south, um, whether that be Super Eight or CNI or, or wherever um, to try and get a bit more exposure. That's uh, that's obviously a bit of a danger um, of that uh, of that happening in this case, but. On the other hand, um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's an interesting one because you know you'd like to. There is some, some very good coaching that goes on uh, among some of these first seasons in the Auckland One A competition. So some of these players they might not get the TV exposure, but they get some very good coaching. So why why wouldn't you stick around and want to pass your exams and still play in a very good competition, uh, whether it's televised or not?
0: Now it's not something that I've paid a lot of attention to in the past but we did have a few uh, people message through suggesting that there was something else to this and it was uh, to do with NZR over the last few weeks attempting to sort of take control of the secondary school's rugby competition and that maybe this was a a counter to that. Uh, uh, Have you heard anything about NZR wanting to do that?
13: Well, yeah, I mean speaking generally they certainly have wanted to take a bit more control of the running of secondary school rugby in general but uh, the, the auckland 1a first Dean competition is essentially um, you know it's a, it's a group of uh, principals who make the call uh, on a lot of what happens uh, in, in the 1a competition um, auckland rugby administers uh, everything underneath that so um, look I, yeah I can see uh, I can see from from both point of views but um, the um, first of Dean principals will probably be digging their, t- their their toes in on this one and saying, "No, well, you know, it's been it's been pretty well run for years, so why should we have the influence of New Zealand rugby on this?" But mm. uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> there it could be an, an ongoing debate as to the governance of uh, schools rugby.
0: Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be. I mean, because I, I read this, you know, when the initial report came out, and I thought the you know the mental wellbeing thing is is fair enough. I get that, and it, and it makes it hard to argue. But it kind of felt like that wasn't the only reason that maybe it was being used as a bit of a smokescreen, and there was something else going on.
8: Yeah, I mean,
13: it's, it's, it's hard to know, really is. But having said that, it was funny. Uh, Sky didn't actually televise that many Auckland 1A games last season. There was a lot of stuff from the Crusaders uh, region competition. Um, I think Nelson College got on TV about five times. Um, so it wasn't as though the Auckland 1A was overexposed like it might have been um, sort of six or seven years ago where there was also um, further coverage of, um, of games um, via Auckland versus being TV uh and sky as well. So so that was a, a huge amount of coverage then. Um it's certainly lessened now. But whether whether Sky already knew about this um and were planning ahead, I, I don't know, you'd have to ask them. But I think generally uh, speaking they haven't done a bad job overall of of, uh, of not over egging, over hyping the, the players involved. Um but that that said, I mean social media just becomes way out of way out of anyone's control when you when you have people on TV and you just have people commenting on someone's performance, on their haircut, on all sorts of things. So, um, you know, you're talking about uh, young men who need to be focused on their their exams at times um, rather than just footy. And, um, yeah, I think social media... Is, is probably more
0: to blame here than uh, than Sky. Yeah, all right, mate. Well, let's move on to what we originally asked you to come on and talk about, and talk about the Super Rugby squads uh, for next season. I mean, uh, as somebody who uh, was born and bred in Blues territory and follows the Blues, uh, you know, Luke Romano was so important for that Blues team last year. He gave gave the pack a real uh, a real winning mentality and a bit of mongrel. Um, he's hung up his boots, of course. He's retired. How big a loss is that? Do you think for the Blues for next season?
13: well, on on the face of it, um it's a big loss, but Patrick Tupeldo is coming back from Japan, so um, that's uh, you know they're certainly not going to be losing too much in that regard. Um, and they have signed uh, Rob Rush uh, more as a sort of a blind side come lock uh, who performed well for Northland um, for most of the season. So he um, yeah I mean, the, the, looking through the blue side um, very few changes and very settled. So you have to say, even with that loss of Romano, I think the Blues uh, pack in particular will
0: be fine. Yeah, it looks pretty stable uh, overall. Uh, Tui Pilotu, as you said, uh, is back from Japan and and will take uh, full part uh, this season. Uh, What about the Chiefs then? Uh, They have made some interesting moves, haven't they? One of those, uh, of course, I think... Um, with Menaki Selby-Rickett coming uh, north from the Highlanders, uh, I know he's from the region in terms of plays at Bayer Pliny, so he's in the Chiefs region he's come in there, uh, George Dyer uh, Jared Profit as well and uh, you know, um, Nane uh, Punavai from Canterbury I think is, is a really good get for them
13: Yep, that's right uh, well certainly you know, Menaki Selby-Rickett's a strange one because he could certainly be the starting Highlanders lock but he's hmm. come to the Chiefs so who've got three All Blacks in their uh, second row, so Retellope Vai and Lord, so I don't know where he's going to get a lot of uh, game time there, uh, but he's certainly good enough to be starting at Super Rugby level, so maybe he's a, maybe he's a patient man, um, or maybe Josh Lord uh, may not be right at the start of the season for the Chiefs, uh, we don't know that for sure, um, I'm just amazed that Mitch Jacobson has missed out, the Waikato captain, um, they've only gone for one out-and-out open side fetcher, that's Sam Kane, so presumably he's not going to play all the games. Uh, I'm not sure why Mitch Jacobson wouldn't be in the in the mix there. But um, as far as the back line goes, uh, Damian McKenzie's back. Uh, he's going to have to play a fair bit of fullback, I think, um, because Atland, uh Josh Iwani and Revis Rehana are the 10s. So, uh, but they do have Nane um, Punevai, as you say. Then you saw he can play centre or wing, had a good season with Canterbury. Um, so I think the Chiefs will be all right uh, in that back line. But just some of the mix of that, Ford pack uh, might be
0: interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it looks like you know the the, the likes of Tupu Vai and uh, Naitoa coil will probably be what you know, sort of jostling with Luke Jacobson for the sixth jersey more than more than maybe playing lock. I, I did think it was an interesting one, and a and a bit of a loss for the Highlanders as well.
13: Yes, no, it, it certainly is, um, and I think uh, I mean they they should still be right um, if you look at their starting pack, the Chiefs. Um, and, uh, you know, they've got the starting all-backs hooker. George Dyer's in there. He, he uh, should have should have got a full, uh, full-time full contract with them last year. He was very unlucky, but he's still got some game time, I think, um, uh, on a wider training contract. Um, so he's he's good value there at, um, at tight-head prop. Um, but, yeah, they've got... <laughs> just looking, I think they've got seven guys who could play lock if you include Sami Penny Finau and Naitoa Aakoi. I guess the Chiefs have, in the past, been a bit thin at lock uh, if there's injuries, and now they've got probably
0: one too many. Is it, I mean, I know Angus Tarvow has been named in that team, but I I heard yesterday that the injury that he picked up uh, in the semi-final might be uh, reasonably long-term. Have you heard anything on that?
13: No, I haven't, but um, I guess in concussion, you you never know. So on that basis, he won't be on the uh, All Blacks 15 trip, Um, but um, longer term than that, hard to say. Uh, But I guess they would have to monitor him there, but they'll have someone uh, probably in their wider training group,
0: uh, who's who's ready to go. Uh, let's have a look at the the canes now. I guess the the big news is Peter Lakey getting that deal. Um, he's been standout in the NPC this season, and Brett Cameron in a ten um, to you know support the likes of Aidan Morgan. And really, uh, I think since Bowden Barrett left, they've been struggling for for a really strong number one ten. Uh, Brett Cameron is it, I guess.
13: Well, he could be. Um, He's probably the best goal kicker uh, they've got there, but I'm not sure whether he's the best 10. I think Aidan Morgan, even though he was coming off the bench for Wellington, is potentially the best player there. Um, Jackson Garden Bashop, I'm not sure uh, what the situation with him was. I think he may have an overseas contract lined up, uh, or or I mean, certainly if not, he was unlucky, but Reuben Love um, wants to play 10. Um, He'll probably get a bit of game time at 15, particularly if Geordie Barrett's playing 12. Uh, So it'd be interesting to see how the uh, how the Canes actually marshal that because they still haven't nailed that. As you say, they haven't nailed that number ten position really since um, since Bowden left. But they do have talent uh, aplenty, um, particularly in the forwards. I mean, Peter Luck. I was just he was the Rookie of the Year. He was outstanding for the Wellington Lions uh, all season, so he deserved uh, to go in there at number eight. And it wouldn't surprise me if he uh, if he started a lot of matches there, uh, pushing maybe uh, Artie Savier to the open side.
0: Yeah, I mean, Garden Bishop. I think. I think at the end of last season, they, the, you know, the Hurricanes told him and a couple of other players they'd need to find somewhere else to go. I just, I think he's had plenty of opportunities to nail that that starting ten jersey and hasn't quite done it on a consistent basis.
13: No, that's right. I mean, he um, he, he he's full value for the for the Lions at NPC hmm. level. He's scored a, a stack of points for Wellington, but uh, yeah, there's always that question mark uh, at, the, at the higher level whether he's been able to perform and really raise his game to 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 the level you required from a Super Rugby general, so that may be the uh, the thinking there. Certainly, Aiden Morden, uh, Aiden Morgan potentially is a very good player, um, and Brett Cameron has played for the All Blacks. Um, probably lucky, luckily, uh, you'd have to say back in 2018, but um, he, he can certainly do a job uh, with his goal kicking.
0: Yeah he can, uh, now we have had a text come through actually uh, from Graham who said, uh, Ricardo can you ask Campbell what's happened to Triple T, surely one of the top 15 hardbacks in the country, very disappointed for him if no one picked him up, uh, he said surely the Highlanders, I know he was at the, uh, the Crusaders last season but uh, they've gone with Willie Hines and Noah Hoffman uh, alongside Mitchell Drummond this year so where's he gone?
13: Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good question, because he was playing with the Bay of steamers Steamers and going pretty well. I, yeah. I don't know why he hasn't been picked up by the Highlanders, or maybe that's in place now that, uh, that that's in motion, that sort of talk uh, now that Polo Fakataba has gone for most of the season, so that just leaves Aaron Smith and James Arscott as the nines at the Highlanders, so they will have to have a replacement there, so you would think um, he would be next in line there. I, I'm not sure why he's fallen off the pace um, so much, because uh, he's, been, he's played pretty well at NPC level, um, and uh, I can sort of understand why the Crusaders wanted Noah Otham. Uh Played very well for Tasman, scored seven tries, um, and they've gone for a bit of experience in um, Willie Hines to go with Mitch Drummond. But, uh, yeah, Triple T, he's, uh, he's been unlucky. So, But I watched that Highlanders' 3rd halfback space
0: Yeah, definitely be one to watch. In fact, the Highlanders is is an interesting uh, squad to look at. I mean, you know, they've added some really good young players. Fabian Holland is now part of that team, and Nicora Broughton out of the Bay of Plenty as well. Uh, Interesting, they managed to get Jonah Lowe down there from the Chiefs as well. it did feel like when I saw them lose a couple to the Chiefs that maybe this was um, you know a, a franchise that was in a little bit of trouble. I'm not I'm not sure about the management of the of, of the franchise down there, but I'd heard a few things that maybe the players weren't particularly happy with direction. Uh, I don't know uh, where you are on that.
13: Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't heard too much of that sort of talk, but uh, they do have a new head coach in uh, in Clark Dermody who will certainly get the pack going, because we tend to underestimate the Highlanders' uh, forwards in particular, and then they always um, always stay pretty solid. So they've still got guys like Jermaine Ainsley and Shannon Frizzell, Ethan DeGroote, um, Billy Harmon, who's the new captain there. So there's there's a really good, solid um, forward back in Purry Pari-Parkinson coming back from injury, um, and it's just a matter of uh, whether some of their backs can stay fit. Uh, they've had issues with their outside backs and injuries in the past. Um, Aaron Smith will have his last campaign, Thomas Uma Jensen, we we pray that he stays fit because uh he was looking really good at times last season. So it's it's always hard to know with the Highlanders and injuries but if they if they have to go too deep then there's concerns for them. But they always tend to uh to overperform um in, in many ways.
0: Looking at it, I mean, the Highlanders have got it all to do, uh, particularly in that New Zealand conference. Um, Do you think this is a better looking squad, a more balanced looking squad? It certainly looks like they've maybe got a few more options in the back line than they did last season.
13: Yep, they they do. I mean, um, I guess Scott Gregory, if they see him at the 12, um, Mitch Hunt will come back from injury. Um, Willamoni Corroy, Cam Miller's a very good young player. Uh, who can who can play ten kicks goals um, jonah nareki coming back um josh timber so individually some some very good talent there um i noticed the Marty banks is going round again um he must be coming up to about thirty four now Marty banks uh but um yeah i, I just yeah it, it's a hard one because um <clears throat> i think they have they certainly struggled um at times last season, I mean, they made the they made the quarterfinals of winning only four games, um, which wasn't wasn't really a great look. So um, having said that, I think in the four-pack, I, I think we'll win enough ball, and it's just a question of whether they can um, they can get the direction going uh, at, out on the back line because they do have some, as I say, some individually good players.
0: Leon McDonald let it slip the other day that uh, Super Rugby players were going to, the All Blacks and Super Rugby, were going to be getting rest periods ahead of the World Cup uh, which was disappointing to hear because we've had that before, and it's you know doesn't seem to have borne any fruit that I could tell. Um, I mean, surely that's detrimental to New Zealand rugby's own competition if you turn it into effectively a bit of a lottery and you know reserve grade at times. <laughs>
13: yeah, well, yeah. You know, are we going back to two thousand and seven and the old uh, reconditioning program? I mean, as it stands, I think uh, All Blacks have got to uh, take two games off, um, and they have the buy as well. Um, that's if there's no injury. So. You wouldn't would like to think there'd be too much change from that. Um, maybe I mean you know, wouldn't necessarily expect Sam Whitelock to play to play you know 12 games for the Crusaders next year, would you? But or, or Sam Kane um, for the Chiefs. Uh, but so, so so I guess there's got to be some leeway uh, on on individuals, but you certainly wouldn't like to see them taken out until April, um, because again that puts uh, more pressure on the on the coaches and certainly devalues the Super Rugby as a competition. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've, we saw what happened in 2007 and the backlash from that.
0: Yeah, indeed. All right, Campbell, uh, when's the next issue out, bud?
13: Next issue, uh, November 10, uh, so a couple of weeks away. So we're just in the final throes of getting uh, getting that out. But it's going to be packed with all sorts, uh, NTC, Heartland, schools, um, uh, Women's World Cup. Um, so, yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's plenty of rugby going on. It's not just, uh, not just the
0: All Blacks. Ex- no, not, not just the All Blacks indeed. Good stuff, mate. Thanks very much for your time and you keep up the good work at Rugby News, eh? All right, mate. Thanks. Cheers. You Thank you. 11.23 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. We'll be back after this.
2: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
0: 11.28 on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball with you. Keep your texts coming through. double eight double three, the Temper Bedpost text machine, uh, getting plenty still on uh, Sky TV's uh, coverage of the 1A tournament and the fact that those schools have pulled out. Um, this one's come through saying Sky TV is connected with the NZRU. I think the NZRU is shareholders there. The Super 8 schools have an agreement with Maldi TV to stream games. Don't know if they will be able to go onto Sky. Wow, I guess that'll be uh, one to watch. We'll keep an eye out for that. Another one to watch is the Breakers. Uh, they are currently second in the NBL, and uh, tomorrow night they're in Adelaide at host of 36ers. They're three dollar five outsiders. 36ers, who of course had that big one, a uh, big win against the Phoenix Suns over in the States in preseason, are paying a dollar thirty four. And Modi Mayor, the coach of the New Zealand Breakers, has been talking about his passion for basketball and wanting to meet Buck Shelfie. Did that on afternoons with Staffy yesterday. Where do you get your passion from, Modi? Because watching the games, you are so invested, and I absolutely love that. You remonstrate up and down the the court, the, the, the sidelines there. You're still respectful, but where has that passion come from?
8: I guess just love the game. Um, I love kind of what we do. I love the group of people that we have, and I feel a great sense of responsibility towards having the Breakers play a certain way and represent uh, New Zealand in a certain way, and I guess that's what you see, but I don't know.
0: You really invested in New Zealand and being a New Zealander as well, which I read about. And and I also read that uh, one of your goals was to meet Buck Shelford, who was an iconic New Zealand All-Black captain. And you just wanted to,
11: I guess, assimilate some of his greatness into your team and the way you're working. Have you managed to
8: meet the great man yet? I have not. I have not. It's still a goal for me. Uh, It's still a goal for us as a group. It's a lofty one and uh, us not being in New Zealand makes it a little bit harder. Uh, But hey, Sir Shelford, if you're listening now, then know that we're interested and I'm interested. And I think there's great value in the historical culture around what an athlete, a Kiwi athlete is and what toughness is and what leadership looks like. And for a team that hasn't been around New Zealand for two years, I have... We have coaches on our staff, for example, that were with the Breakers for a year and a half and never stepped foot in New Zealand. So for us to get reconnected to kind of what, what that means is, I think, a big part of our growth as an
0: organization. There you go, Modu Mayor talking to staff the other day and uh, yeah, desperately wanting to meet Puck Shelf and I'm sure we can make that happen now that the breakers are going to be home for at least half the season. Uh, they tip off tomorrow night 9.30 against the Adelaide 36ers. Uh, $50 TAB bonus bet could be yours. We are playing Stumped next. If you want to play 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811. We'll do that right after the latest in news and sport with Aroha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stamped by
9: Smithy. Ian Smith really
10: is top class at his job.
1: Yeah, it's time for stumped here on SNZ mornings with Ricardo Ball while Ian Smith is away on T20 World Cup duties. Ricardo, how are you feeling about this one this morning?
0: Uh, well, it, it all depends on uh, what topic gets chosen. I'm interested to see what the topics are. I've, I've had two stumpings in two days. Uh, before that, I got absolutely none right because it was the NHL. Um, so, and I know you were disgusted with me and have taken it as a personal affront. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the thing, yes, you've had stumpings, but the key thing here is we, you need a third ball stumping. That's the that's mm. the big play here. Yeah. So we'll see how you go today, because I've uh, grabbed today as a fifty dollars TAB bonus bet for one of our lucky listeners if they can answer these questions correctly, or potentially they don't, and you don't either, then they still win. Such is the beauty of stumped here on the CNZ. And first at the crease, Zade from Auckland, coming, mate. How you doing?
3: Yeah,
1: good. Thanks, Logan. Nice. Uh, you ready to go? You got you got your bet. Yeah, I'll, I'll
12: give it a go. Thanks.
1: All right. So the topics today we've got the A League, the T Twenty World Cup, and the World Series baseball. Take your pick. Um, we'll
12: go back with the T Twenty World Cup again.
1: All right. Good luck. How are you finding the World Cup? Uh, first of all, Zed.
10: Yeah, it's
1: not too bad, eh? We got that good one over Aussie first. Oh. Yeah, but a bit of shame about the the rain out last night. I was looking forward to that. I wouldn't yeah. normally stay up for the game, Ricardo, but I made a point of doing it uh, last night. Was oh, worth it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, at what point did you give up and go to bed?
1: About ten thirty. Yeah. All yeah. Right. The Black Caps put out a tweet about the rain. I was like, "Yeah, that does not look good." No. Bit time for me. All right. First question for you, Zaid. Of course, yeah, last night we saw the Blackhats rained out in an almost certain win against Afghanistan, you'd hope. Uh, but there was a shocker there. Ireland beat their neighbours England at the MCG. By how many runs did the Irish beat England by?
12: Five on duckworth <laughs> oh, the
1: Right in the slot under the way it goes. Confidence. Love that confidence. Right, yeah. All right. I actually so- had
12: money on Ireland. I got... I got, on, I got on the live odds at
0: $2.95. Oh, nice work.
1: Wow, good on yeah. you. Mate. Good on you. Nice All right. On the
0: live odds
1: and on uh, second question for you. Which team is currently sitting in second to the Black Caps in Group 1?
12: I believe it's
1: Sri Lanka. That's a couple of chips. Now we right in the slot and away it goes. Ricardo, how are you you confident here? Well, no, Zade's well, got yeah, you all over right now. Does,
0: yeah, exactly. It's like Zade's on a streak, so we'll we'll have to see,
1: mate. We'll have to see. All right, two two sixes off two balls. See how you go for the last question. Fifty dollar tab bonus. We're up for grabs here. Zade, last question. Two players have bagged nine wickets each in the tournament. Can you name one of the countries they represent?
12: Um. Sri Lanka.
1: Just a couple of chips down the wicket.
12: Right Whoa. in the slot.
1: And away it goes. You don't even need me. Yeah. don't even need me, Zade. No, Nicely done. Nicely done, mate. That's, that's just right. A Sri Lanka has won. The other would have been the Netherlands. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt to. Oh, it
12: that guy that's got like, he got like a few wickets the other day against Bangladesh. That game was pretty interesting, really. I thought like um, Netherlands might have done it right because Bangladesh only got what? Was 140 odd?
10: 145
12: mm. or something? And then Bangladesh went and hammered them, got like two, two three outs, and Netherlands just looked horrible, couldn't hold a bat. But um, uh, Pringle looked pretty good with the ball. Yeah, that was one of the questions last week that actually got wrong. I didn't know he was playing for Netherlands, but actually did look out for him, and he looked all right. And um, we obviously know who Logan Van Vick is from playing in New Zealand, but now nah, cheers for the bonus, Bear Boys. Might put it on... Um, Maybe Chelsea to beat Brighton. I'm not sure what you think about that, Ricardo, but yeah, it might well, be a
0: goal. I don't know. Yeah, Brighton is struggling with school goals at the moment. Um, so yeah. it's probably not the worst bet, mate. Not Probably not the worst bet. Good stuff, say Go well and good luck with your bet. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Do um, the... Bunch more texts coming through. Still, still texts coming through on 8833. Uh, this one, Modi Mayor. I know you're listening, Modi. Um, so uh, check this out from Jimmy. Uh, Buck still owns the Wade Hotel in Silverdale. That's where you'll find him. It's a great pub. Great pub, so there you go. The uh, the Wade Hotel, Silverdale. That's where you will find Buck. Uh, now that is uh, keep those texts coming through on double eight double three. We've got uh, a few more coming through. How many people have Spark Sport? I have Sky, but can't afford Spark and refuse to buy it. Many people can't afford to do both. I haven't seen uh, a hotel or motel advertising it either. Second tier sports channels. Um, I'd rather I do without rather than buy two providers. For Brian, well, you know Brian. I think this is a very uniquely New Zealand thing because overseas there are so many different providers... Um, you know, I, I actually think we're really lucky here. We don't know how good we've got it. Yeah. Um, only having, basically, only having two because I am in the UK, like, for example, in the UK, if you want to watch Premier League football and you want to watch all the Premier League football, you have to have Amazon because mm-hmm. they have certain rounds. You have to have BT Sport because they have certain games. You have to have Sky Sport because they have certain games. Uh, and then there are certain games that are free to wear. So, you know, it's, uh, we're actually pretty lucky here and it's, it's not that much of a stretch, I don't think. If yeah. If you're a sport fan.
1: It is very much a New Zealand problem, but we are in New Zealand and it's a problem (laughs) that many sports fans do face. Some kind of, I mean, I'm in the process of potentially buying a house at the moment and (laughs) I have to look at my budget and I pick and choose my streaming services, right? Yeah. I used to just have them, you know, pay for them all each month and just don't even think about it and then I'll... Just go to them when I need them, when potentially I might not even use them that month. So some do have to pick and choose and be mindful of their budgets. Totally get that. Totally respect that. But, I mean, yeah, Sparks Sport have what they have. Sky have what they have. I mean, the fact that there is only two real players in the market here right now—I mean, you, you know—you're lucky we don't have four or five, mm,
0: which is what the reality is in, say, North America or or most of Europe. But even in Australia at the moment, you know, uh, there's Telstra, there's Stan Sport, there's Sky. Well, not Sky over there; it's a Fox over Fox there. Fox, yeah, you know. So there's there's a lot over in Aussie as well. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, and I mean, just be lucky just be, I mean, if you're a follower of American sports, you'll know that, uh, you know, your uh, North American counterparts have to deal with things called blackouts, which isn't too much of a thing here. You might get it a little bit uh, at the moment now with uh, Major League Baseball heading to the World Series. They do blackout MLB TV because it's on ESPN here, which is really, really annoying when you're already paying for it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And don't even get me started on the uh, absolute joke that is... uh, uh, ESPN Australia and New Zealand and what they do with the NHL and and baseball as well. Especially we've had, uh, you know, the crossover t- between the games, between the ALCS uh, and the NLCS. And one game starts after the another. But because one game is already going, you have to wait. And even, I mean, over in, overseas, right? The, like in America or wherever, you'll be getting both games. But here we're forced to wait for the other game to start. So poor Padres fans have to wait and watch the Yankees.
0: And who wants to watch the Yankees if you're not a Yankees fan? Uh, It is 19 away from midday. When we come back, we'll get to more of your texts. Keep them coming through, Double eight, double three. Summer or winter,
2: he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run.
0: You can join us each week here on SENZ as we try and raise funds for four New Zealand charities. The charity for Mornings with Ian Smith is the Women's Refuge, and that's all thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Uh, We're looking at Sunday this week uh, at Manukau. uh, uh, Ten past two, uh, this race gets underway. It is race five. Dog number four, Portland Jake Portland Jake in race five at Manukau on Sunday around 10 past two. You can tune into SENZ every Sunday from midday for Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed, hosted by two legendary Greyhound experts, Mark Rosinowski and Dan Roberts. You won't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed show. Got plenty of text is coming through uh, this morning talking a lot of things, including the 1A competition, uh, first 15 competition in Auckland deciding to pull from broadcast. Uh, and This one from Ed. Selectors will want to watch these kids. Auckland loses free exposure. Uh, well, we can watch more from around the country. My boy was at Ruakara two years ago. That one from Ed. Thanks, Ed, uh, for your text. Morning, lads. I'm wondering, do our universities and polytechnics have rugby teams? Like in the US, they'd have to get an education as well as play for the university. Would that not be better than going straight from school into these super rugby squads? there's no education for these boys, then Super Rugby can pick from the university competition. Just my thoughts. That's Cam from Avicali. It's an interesting one, Cam, but it'd be a little bit more aligned to sort of the US model. I know I I don't know what the tie is anymore, but there is a university club in Auckland, and I'm pretty sure there's a university club in Dunedin as well. Uh, I don't know how tied to the universities they are now, but it used to be that you go to university and you'd play your club rugby for university. Um, But uh, it's an interesting point. Um, And there are a few people saying, you know, first 15 rugby, it's kids. They don't need the pressure. I get all of that. But kids at the same age playing professional sports in other parts of the world – are getting the same pressure. It's part of being a professional sports person. If that's what the kid wants to do, that's that's on their agenda, is uh, having a crack at having a professional sports career, it is all part and parcel, um, and that is part of the way they deal with it in the US. So thank you, Cam, for your text. Uh, this one maybe talks a bit about what I was just talking about here. No name attached, uh, but thank you very much for your text anyway on double eight, double three, I think you're off the mark regarding First 15 Rugby. Why do kids need more pressure at that age? With social media media so prevalent also? It's hard enough for our teenagers as it is. Not sure if you guys have kids that age or interaction with kids that age, but all of these games don't need to be shown live on TV. All games will be videotaped and available for those scouts who wish to view them. Will they? Who's going to videotape them? Who's going to pay for that? And will it be the Scouts? I don't know. Uh, Maybe show the finals games only. Well, maybe. Maybe they show the finals games only. But, yeah, I think the point is being missed. And I guess that then becomes a conversation is, is First 15, is this the right place to be having, uh, or is it the right place to have the pathway to professional rugby at First 15? Or does New Zealand rugby need to look at it and take it off the schools, take it away from the schools, put it back into the club environment? And then you can manage it, uh, and you can have, uh, you can take it out of the education um, situation that is first fifteen rugby and school rugby, and make clubs the centre of excellence once again, and breathe life back into the clubs. I think that might be a better a better way of doing it. But there will be a power struggle between clubs and the uh, and, and the rugby union, and then the schools. I know it was a problem when I was at school. Uh, I mean, I didn't go to one of these big schools, so it was less of an issue for us, but. I know that some schools would be like, you know, you either play for the school or you don't play at all. Um, I don't know how they enforce that or where they got the weight to be able to enforce that. I think New Zealand Rugby or the the uh, individual unions, the Auckland Rugby, have maybe being to have given too much power, uh, too much rein to the schools on that, um, and I've talked about it before. You know, there's certainly in the Auckland situation, uh, you basically the clubs were uh, disincentivised from having teams from under sixteen upwards because they wanted the pl- the kids to go play at school and have the schools run it, and that was the pressure put on from the schools. So, do you take that back? Bring back your under sixteen, under seventeen, under eighteen, under twenty competitions at club level. And tell kids, oh, you don't have to play for your club if you don't want to. And I think that would probably also stop the drop-off that they talk about. You know, they stop the drop-off at about 15, 16, these kids going away from sport and not playing it. Well, maybe that's because of the, the, the type of setup they've got at schools around the first 15, and if you had it at clubs... It's a bit more inclusive. There are more clubs, uh, there are more games, more teams, and maybe that's a way around. Uh, interested to hear your thoughts. Double eight, double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine. Keep your texts coming in. We are nine away
7: from midday. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato, and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba da ba. Available after 1030 a.m. for a limited time only.